Lights, camera, action. Hello and welcome to another edition of Movie Madness in association with Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Keenan Bonner and Sean Shoot. Jack Harper will be joining us a little later, and by a little later, hopefully in the next five, ten minutes. The match that we'll be getting stuck into this week is 1996's Space Jam versus 2003's Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl. How is everyone doing today? Yeah. Good mate, yourself? Not bad. Toasty, but uh, mm, it's warm. I made my return to the cinema yesterday, which was a uh, nice experience considering uh, the amount of time it's been. And I resisted paying a tenner for a popcorn drink and all of that. Alex was rustling through the first five minutes and then knocked it over afterwards as well. <laughs> I, but anyway, I two always... films we've got. Sorry. I was just going to say, I always smuggle food in. Yeah, so I, I had a bottle of water. That was how hot it was. I can't remember if I've told this story about me smuggling a Burger King in once, when it at the old cinema, and I was chowing down on my chips, like, not looking at the bag, and I was just taking mouthfuls and chowing down. It was back when they used to put the salt packets inside the bag of chips, and I chowed down and chomped on a bag of salt. Oh. It was honestly the, one of the worst experiences ever. <laughs> Expecting your chip and getting a bag of salt. I imagine that tastes similar to uh, the Bacon King that they briefly did at Burger King, which <laughs> had about 19 rashes of bacon in it. <laughs> yeah, that was horrible. Because I, I ate it and I said to TK, I, I didn't think I would say this, but there is genuinely too much bacon in here. There we go. Space Jam, the film we are kicking off with today. The synopsis, in a desperate <laughs> attempt to win a basketball match and earn their freedom... The Looney Tunes seek the aid of retired basketball champion Michael Jordan. Had everyone seen this before? Yeah. 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 Yes. Sorry. I was trying to. Wait. I was trying to. I, I tried to click unmute and then I clicked the camera on accident. So I, 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 I had a little. Uh, good thing you were in the buff in the Shire. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, Space Jam. I think this was the first film I ever saw at the cinema as a kid. Um, which is quite impressive that I was being brought along at two years old. So maybe it was rerun because I can't see that happening, but I have a bit of seeing it. Was this with your dad? No. No, I was going to say, because the list you gave the other week of films you've seen with your dad was quite impressive, and this would be a nice one to add to it. It would have, yeah. Um, I can't see him sitting through this. He was very much, uh, I can't remember sitting through any kids' shows with him. Okay, fair. Critics' reviews, Sean. First of all, nice of you to join us this week. Not have some staff drinks that you're uh, <laughs> dealing with. Um, critics reviews. What do you think? Uh, good. It's a mixed bag. For those uh, <laughs> that listen to the rewatchables, you'll know the name uh, Roger Ebert. Um, he's actually a massive fan of this film, which may surprise you. But just a little uh, tidbit for you there. So critics reviews. Space Jam is nothing if not a product made by men who gauge a film's success by how many soft toys it spawns. I, that men part does kind of ring true with the, the bunny entrance. It's kind of like... we'll, we'll, we'll get to that because uh, uh, Sean's got a few thoughts on uh, her and uh, we'll get there. 
I do remember the merch for this. I got a bit of trivia on that, but there was everything. And you knew a film was big when they went down the route of uh, having Happy Meal toys for a particular film, which people pay a uh, pretty penny for on eBay now if you still have your Space Jam uh, Happy Meal toys. Strange that these things catch on. The animation is eye-popping and the co-mingling of tunes and people is dazzling. Kind of what we said about Toy Story 2, isn't it? Where the crossover really is what makes it. And as we said with Harry Potter last week, part of the magic is seeing the two worlds combined. Yeah. Um, Jordan seems dwarfed by Space Jam's high-concept shenanigans. His performance amounts to a series of one-note reaction shots. He seems to have as much talent for acting as for baseball but at least he has something to fall back on. I don't know what they were expecting here when they tuned in. No, neither did I. I don't know if they were kind of like thinking of this epic. I mean, I was actually surprised at how well Michael Jordan can act. Yeah, I think he... he, he, I've I've seen plenty of sports stars try and act, and he's probably the best. I'm not saying he's brilliant, but he's better than most. Compare it to uh, Shaq in uh, the couple of Adam Sandler films he's in. Yeah, yeah. You can that take is, him that, a bit more seriously. That is the yardstick, that and David Beckham and King. <laughs> <laughs> um, Space Jam isn't exactly a slam dunk. It's more of a graceful tip-in by Michael Jordan with a snazzy assist by Bugs Bunny. <laughs> First-rate popcorn movie. Undemanding, entertaining and thoroughly enjoyable. And finally... Why do we have so many jokes about spitting, flatulence, and other vulgarisms in a movie aimed at children? Shameful. <laughs> These were like back in the 90s where mums against groups were just rife. Mums Even would then, just decide to hate something to get it cancelled. Every cartoon I'm watching had one of either fart jokes, bad manners or some kind of vulgarism. Like that is essentially 90s cartoons. So I do have the trivia, as always. Cut me off as and when. Uh, the concept idea inspiration for this movie originated from a series of highly popular live-action animated sci-fi sports comedy night commercial ads for Air Jordan shoes titled Hair Jordan and Aerospace Jordan, where Bugs Bunny and Michael Jordan faced off against Marvin the Martian and his alien henchmen to stop him from stealing Nike shoes. So this week we've got a film that spawned from an advert and a film that spawned from a ride at Disneyland. Is that is that true? I thought I always thought these were Pirates of the Caribbean. After no, Pirates of the Caribbean, which we'll no. get to, of course, is literally based on a ride at Disneyland. I didn't know that. That is incredible. yeah. Um, the movie's original promotional website can still be found online, exactly as it appeared in 1996. I look at it this week, and it does feel very. Um, create your own website back in 96 i think there was a site called like uh, pixels or something like that and it looks like it was made on there like a dodgy tumbler or something <laughs> uh when stanley comes into uh, michael's hotel room and says come on michael it's game time slip on your hanes lace up your nikes take your wheaties and your gatorade and we'll grab a big mac on the way to the ballpark all those things as you can imagine were products that michael jordan had been a spokesman for around that time supposedly they had to go to each of the sponsors basically because they were paying him that much and kind of authorised his place in the film and they all just wanted some kind of mention in there so the script makers basically decided we'll just do a one-stop shop here rattle them through in the same scene Michael Jordan's weirdly just drinking out of a McDonald's cup in his room <laughs> so they obviously just ticked all the boxes at once 
R. Kelly's Grammy Award-winning track, I Believe I Can Fly, buoyed the soundtrack to second place in the Billboard 200 and introduced a new generation to R&B. The memorable album was certified as double platinum less than two months after its release, and by 2001, the soundtrack had reached platinum status six times over. It's not aged well now, though, has it? I mean, as I've said, we've had far too many <laughs> conversations on this podcast about whether or not you listen to R. Kelly. My stance is now, now that he's locked up. If he comes on your shuffle. Uh, that was what I thought when it uh, when it came on when I started watching it first. I was like, ooh. Yeah, I was, I was thinking that, and it sent me off into a tangent that if Last Summer by Lost Profits come, comes on my shuffle, I'm listening. I don't think we should compare the musical talents of the Lost Profits to uh, R. <laughs> Kelly. <laughs> I like the idea that because he's locked up, that means that means you can listen now. Like, what, well, what? I feel like some kind of something has happened there. Like before, I didn't want to feel like I was funding his lavish lifestyle. And it was a bit weird hearing him talk about uh, all the women he's been with in Ignition, etc. once you know the way he was treating them. I believe I can fly. Not too bad. Director Joe Pitka claims he gave Jordan the idea for the Bulls to go after Dennis Rodman while on set. Pitka claims he told MJ to consider it since Rodman plays defence and doesn't get in your way. Great if true. Jordan just has a conversation with him on set and he goes to the GM at the Bulls and says, you've got to hear me out here. We've got to get this guy. (laughs) It is great if true, but also at the same time, Completing out of bollocks. Well, he claims that like it'd be mentioned, and they have a conversation where Jordan's like, "I don't think we could play together." And then he's like, "What? You got to go and get Dennis Rodman?" Because he says less than twenty-four hours later, Rodman is in a hotel room with the Bulls, and they're getting the deal done. So, it's complete shite. <laughs> like, let's. You, do you imagine like the GM Michael, Michael Jordan going? Unless he's put in absolute work on Jordan, and he's convinced him to the point that it's the best idea ever. And Jordan's like, "Oh yeah, I've had a great idea. Let's sign Dennis Rodman." Because if he's mentioned, "Oh yeah, doing that film," director thinks Dennis Rodman's a really good player. <laughs> Shall we? Like, I don't think that's how that works. Maybe not. Um, similar to how Pepe Le Pew was removed from Space Jam Two because the character looks problematic through modern eyes. The first ever character created for the Looney Tunes doesn't make a major appearance in Space Jam because of the same reason. That character was named Bosco and debuted in the first ever Looney Tunes cartoon, Singing in the Bathtub, in 1930. Essentially, it was a blackface caricature, this cartoon, but the makers didn't want to bomb it out completely, which I mean, we just said about problematic. So in the scene where... Uh, Yosemite Sam jumps on stage when they're kind of confronting the aliens for the first time. There's uh, like a framed picture on the wall and they've got kind of a grayscale uh, like sculpture of this character that they've snuck in. Kind of, he's in there for about half a second, the shot. And it's just, I guess, so they could feel they put that character in. Last appearance, 1990. Yeah, not good, is it? It's not fantastic. No. After Daffy suggests naming their team the Ducks, Bugs asked what kind of Mickey Mouse organisation would name their team the Ducks. This was a dig at the Anaheim Ducks, who were owned by the Walt Disney Company. Hmm. I saw that Which, on Amazon, the Amazon Insight. Yeah, so back in the 1980s, the Disney Studios asked Warner Brothers if they could use some of the Looney Tunes in Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Warner Bros. obliged, and they kind of felt there was a gentleman's agreement there, which we know never goes too well. Um, 
That was under old Disney management, who then, long gone by the time this film comes out, they reach out to Warner's and say, uh, uh, sorry, Warner Brothers reaches out and says, look, we're working on this film. We want Mickey Mouse to come in. And he was originally going to be the referee because he wasn't a Looney Tune and he was still a famous animated character. Um, Disney pulled back on the agreement. And so Warner Brothers felt they were getting their own back with a couple of little subtle digs in the film. Instead, Marvin the Martian takes over, which I can understand. He's an he's an alien and uh, he's a Looney Tune as well. So um, if any, if you ever wondered, these aren't Michael Jordan's real kids. They're in the film, but they did keep the same names. I did wonder that. <clears throat> we, we keeping you up, Sean? Are you yawning? No. It sounded much like a Sean yawn, like a shoot toot and a Sean yawn. <laughs> Although, Jack, I will say there's speculation you farted on Monday's podcast. There is. Farted on Monday's podcast? Yeah. Really? I'm just telling you the speculation. Uh, comes from your mic and there's a, there's a suspicious noise. Where is so, uh... Very wet sounding as well. <laughs> <laughs> Where is this evidence? Uh, I'll, I'll send you it later. There is uh, recorded evidence of this. So I just wondered if you wanted to confess there, but... Obviously not. As you may have seen in The Last Dance, to keep Michael Jordan happy while filming, Warden Brothers built him an actual basketball court on the set, where apparently you'll have seen some of the best pickup basketball you would you'd ever be able to witness, as we saw uh, in the documentary. When flying towards Moron Mountain, the monolith from 2001 A Space Odyssey can be seen at the very top right edge of the frame, floating in space. Bill Murray accepted a role in this movie after expressing regret at missing out on who framed Roger Rabbit. First ballot, uh, Rex Ryan here. Bill Murray he's, in this. Is he in one too many scenes? I think he's in a bit too many, yeah. Uh... He, he's in two scenes in the film. Yeah. No, he's in three, sorry. Oh, uh, one of them is literally him in the crowd. He plays golf. He's then mm -hmm. in, he comes in for the last 10 seconds of the game. And then he's in the stands saying to Larry Bird, that could have been me. Yeah. Because originally he was only going to be in the one film, uh, in the one scene, and they were having issues with the other actors kind of uh, working with the animated characters and how they were acting there. And he essentially says to the director, like, how, how are you getting on? And then they write in a couple of extra scenes for him, like the one you see at the end. Hmm. Yeah. I think the fact he's literally in as a cameo. Like, he's not in to be a main character. He's literally in there to be, oh, it's Bill Murray. <laughs> because yeah, probably second ballot though I think well, what's so is Larry Bird first surely he's in point. as well. well Larry Bird's tough because obviously there are other basketball players are in it as well but yeah fair um, tough one. what I was going to say so apparently there was going to be more kind of minor characters because you've essentially in terms of minor characters that aren't famous already like you've got the actors that play as kids and you've got his wife and then you've got Stan as well and supposedly there was going to be a couple more in there. And as, as daft as this may seem, they couldn't convince like genuine actors with a reputation to star in this film. Apparently they kept getting like, why would I want to be in a film where your two leads are an athlete and a lunar tune? And so they couldn't get these people in to fill the minor roles, which is why you've essentially got Looney tunes or nobody basically mm. in the outside world. Mm. Um, uh, my girl Patricia Heaton though getting a little cameo yeah 
Bill Murray's jersey number 22 is a nod to his film Groundhog Day, which occurs on February the 2nd or 2 2. The, yeah, the US VHS release included a collector's coin inside the package that had the Tune Squad on one side and the Monstars on the other. Can you remember when those coins were a thing? I remember them for um, Euro 2004. You had the coin collections and you got them for Harry Potter as well. Um, but I can remember having some. I don't know if any of you ended up with them. The Euro 2004 ones in particular. I think you got from Asda. No, I don't really remember, mate, to be honest. I remember having a Pokemon one for the Pokemon 2000. Movie. I thought everyone had these coins by the fact what a huge thing they were in my household. Because the Euro 2004 was all about the stickers, really. Well, I'm telling you, and this isn't going to be a good look. It's not, it's not on my behalf. Blame the people that were making the coins. Um, every time you thought you, had, you every time you thought you had a Hesky, and it was a uh, Darius for sale. So many yeah, hearts were broken. You, you have coins. got previous for this sort of thing. I, I still haven't got over the embarrassment of thinking Cuba Gooding Jr. <laughs> was the guy I've been referring to for years. So uh, there we go. Um, Mr. Swackhammer says, I didn't know Dan Aykroyd was in this picture by referring to Bill Murray, his uh, co-star in Ghostbusters. Did you enjoy that, Keenan? Tell again, sorry, mate. When Mr. Swackhammer says, I didn't know Dan Aykroyd was in this picture as Bill Murray comes in. Yeah, I did like that. Do like Dan Aykroyd. Yeah. But also, straight really love Danny DeVito as Swackhammer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Grossing over 230 million worldwide, this is the highest grossing basketball film of all time. And it was also the highest grossing Looney Tunes film out of the other eight. Other basketball films, uh, like Mike, great film. Uh, Coach Carter, White Man Can't Jump, Semi Pro, he got game, so this grossed more than uh, all of them. Coach Carter, the best of the lot, shall we say? <laughs> no, Space Jam is. Then like best. Mike, then semi-pro. Coach, Coach Carter's probably the best one, I reckon. Coach Carter's the best one. Then or maybe then Space Jam. Then for me, it is semi-pro because I do love that film. I, no one else has really seen it, but it is very I good. have. I watched it recently. Another recommendation I've gone to watch. So Did you enjoy my it? tally goes up. Yeah, I did, yeah. Am I batting a thousand here? Yes. I think I was texting Rory while watching it. Um, the scene that always comes to my mind is uh, the gun. Well, there, is it pen poker? Mm. Oh, I did get shot. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm trying to think, there's um, the Looney Tunes, Brendan Fraser Looney Tunes film. Back in action. Is that what it's called? Yeah. You had, yeah. in terms of the animated crossover films, you had this, then there was a gap, and they tried making Rocky and Bullwinkle a thing, didn't have the same success. Um, then they tried Looney Tunes back in action, and I think that was even less successful. So, uh, Maybe they should have got an athlete in. Who keeps doing them all for yawns? Hey, mate. It's definitely not me. That was me that time. I did yawn that time. It sounds a lot like the yawn we had previously. This one didn't turn up last week, and he turns up this week yawning the place down. So this was the 18th highest grossing film in 1996, Keenan. Do you know what number one was that took in three times more? 96. Famous for changing the amount of earnings of one actor overnight, the, the amount he demanded. Independence Day. Correct. Thank you. I wouldn't have got that, I don't think, if you wouldn't have said it. Yeah. 
kind of the the two famous ones for how much their asking price went is Will Smith and Jim Carrey, isn't it? Um, Joe Pitka wanted Michael J. Fox to play Stan, but he was overruled by the studios. Chevy Chase was also considered, and the studio wouldn't accept that either. Hmm. I can see Michael J. Fox doing that role. What, a Stan? Yeah. I like I like that boy though. He's yeah. too, too, Michael J. Fox too good looking. You need that nervous energy. Yeah. That, that well, he has the kind of nervous energy um, when he's speaking to his mum in Back to the Future, and I yeah, imagine he's, that he's, would be the kind of direction. Yeah, I don't think the age though is is the issue, is it? No, it would look. I think so. I think you'd just be too good looking. You need for that character. You need someone. No offense to Wayne Knight. You basically need someone like Wayne Knight. <laughs> okay. Wayne, okay. Say, I, I agree with Sean. Or, I mean, uh, or his, his, his dad in Back to the Future, but he's yeah. a young dad. Yeah, Crispin, Crispin Glover, great shout, Sean. Yeah. yeah. For what we know, he was asking a bit too much for each film. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, the couple sitting next to the aliens when they steal the talents of Barkley and Ewing are Patricia Heaton, as Sean said, and uh, Dan Castellaneta, um, who's known for voice and actors on The Simpsons, most commonly Homer Simpson. So if you ever wondered what he looks like, there you go. Everybody, you... knows, by the way, what a great show! Yep, well, not a great show, but okay, show. <laughs> During the big game, when the tunes are rallying, the purple monster is about to attack Bugs and Wiley Coyote when he's interrupted by Yosemite Sam and Elmer Fudd dressed in tuxedos, shooting his teeth out while the pulp fiction music plays in tribute to the film. I did watch that this week, so uh, there we go, another box ticked for the pod. Sean's in Pulp Fiction. Uh, not really. No, I've seen like clips of it. I've not seen it properly. There you go, watch, Jack and uh, Keenan. Direct that energy to Sean. No, you have to watch Sean, it, Sean gets different responses from me. Because <laughs> you don't expect it, then I get it. This film has an accompanying video game with the so same title. Some good, uh, good recommendations, which you yeah. tried. Sean was the one who recommended Entourage to me. Yeah, definitely, definitely wasn't. I'd recommended it years before. <laughs> uh, so the fil- the game that came out essentially, they just took NBA Jam, added Michael Jordan and the Toon Squad, and just sold it again as a Space Jam edition with a new title, and made a boatload more money. So I actually work. don't mind that. I think that's awesome because I, I I think obviously I'd have been far too young for it, but I reckon if I was about then, I would probably want the new version. These days, you, like then, you wouldn't have been able to get DLC, would you? Which I know is a controversial thing these days, but no, you, we, we, you're right, mate. So you would like to go out and buy it. And I think I probably, I think I probably would have. Yeah, we were a household that had different variations of Pokemon, be it oh, God. red, yeah, blue, did. yellow, and also um, Arsenal club football and Manchester United club football, which was literally just a different cover. Yeah, so, Liverpool uh, club football generally bought it twice on the spin. It's exactly it's the exact same game. Although Liverpool Club Great Football game. 04, 04, 05 when uh, we signed Cisse, unbelievable. He was just he was ridiculously good on it. It was a great game. My created guy had blue hair in tribute to Kevin Peterson, which hasn't aged well because I can't stand the bloke these days. <laughs> um, Space Jam later expanded into a media franchise, as we've said, including comics, video games, and merchandise. The Space Jam franchise is estimated to have generated six billion in total revenue. This includes a wide variety of merch, Air Jordans, Bugs Bunny shirts, Happy Meal, Muggsy Bugs shirts, and Tweety gowns. Um, 
okay, there were several Space Jam sequels that nearly happened. I'm sure you all over the years saw them pop up. Um, a sequel to Space Jam was planned as early as 96. There was basically this uh, producer in the camp that for some reason they took his word and he essentially was like, trust me, Michael's on board. Had no connection to Michael Jordan. Just kept saying, believe me, I've spoken to him. He's in. They went all the way to producing a new character that was called Berserko. They had um, a new artist in. He was designing the henchmen, everything. Joe Pitka was going to uh, direct. And they had all this money ready to improve the animation. And then they actually decided to go to Michael Jordan. He was like, yeah, I'm not doing a sequel. And they had to put it all to one side. Several sequels were then kind of floated over the years that never happened. Spy Jam with Jackie Chan. Um, that actually ended up then just being the basis for Looney Tunes back in action. Race Jam with Jeff Gordon. A golf-centered film with Tiger Woods. And Skate Jam with Tony Hawk was also discussed but never came to be. I, I see the, the Tony one. Hawk I one the one working with best. I think of all those, the Tony Hawk one works best. I think his personality carries best across for a film. Yeah, Can no, I, 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 Tiger agree, Woods I would watch. I would watch the Tiger one. I, I think I mean, I'd, would I'd watch all of them. <laughs> I think you'd be surprised. I think Tiger actually would buy into it. All right. Well, what we do have here, a little exercise before we uh, go into breaking the film down. I've got uh, a list of candidates uh, broken down by cartoon, athlete slash sport, and a cameo for the Bill Murray role. And Sean, you're on cartoon duty. Jack, you're on the athlete duty. And Keenan, you're on cameo duty. So I'll ask you all for a number one to ten, and I will tell you the film that we would have got in a uh, Space Jam circumstance. So, Sean, if you give me a number between a 1 and 10. Uh, 4. SpongeBob SquarePants. Jack, if you give me a number between 1 and 10. Um, 4. David Beckham. So we've got SpongeBob playing football with David Beckham and Keenan. The cameo will be... Number 9. Rob Riggle will be in there. <laughs> Rob Riggle, my guy. I've said it on many pods. I was going to say, like, I felt this hasn't gone as well as we were hoping to, but that, that Rob Riggle element has well, made the film, I think. We'll do a couple. So, uh, Sean, give me a, another number. Uh, seven. Seven. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, um, which does have a new film coming out soon that seth rogan is uh, doing jack give me another number two all right the ninja turtles tom brady is uh, in the jordan role and uh, keenan five seth green is coming in <laughs> with uh well i've picked absolute bangers there. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got seth green coming in at the last minute for the what i assume would be a hail mary drive with uh, the ninja turtles and we'll the, do, it plays the gronk roll, trying to just play yeah. a tight end. Uh, we'll do one more. So, uh, Sean, again. Uh, five. All right, so we've got the Cartoon Network classics. So, as there aren't very many characters, most of them, we've got a combination. You've got Dexter's Lab in there, Johnny Bravo, Curry to Cowardly Dog, Cow and Chicken, Ed and Neddy. All of these together, this is probably my favourite selection of them. Jack, give me another number. 
10. Okay, so Usain Bolt. So we've got an Olympic-style event with uh, the Cartoon Network Classics. And Keenan, if you can just complete our cameos. Number one. Dane Cook is uh, coming in. So, <laughs> uh, two so out of success, but it's not bad. Well, that's, that's secured as pay-per-view. Dane Cook, pay-per-view. <laughs> 20 minutes. <laughs> exactly. So we've got pay-per-view, Dane Cook. Uh, so the other options you could have had there. Jerry Springer, you could have had involved. Leslie Mann. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson, Adam Sandler other options for sports you've got Mike Tyson if you have a boxing card uh, Shaq for another space uh, jam uh, Tiger Woods think- over there, Lance Armstrong if he wants to follow on from his dodgeball days uh, Wayne Gretzky, ice hockey I think the best one there is the last one I think that would be a good film like watching the Cartoon Network cast and Bolt in not sure Olympics. what sort of form I would take, and I don't think '90s Tyson would be into it, but I would definitely have watched it if they made a second one with Tyson. Well, Tyson, I mean, the cartoons I had down, I mean, we kind of did have Tyson against Homer Simpson, didn't we all? But um, I mean, I had South Park down, I had uh, Family Guy, uh, what the other ones I had down, Recess, if you have uh, Tyson against TJ Detweiler. <laughs> TJ Deadwater would be a great character in, in this. He could uh, be a Randall first, give everyone what they want. Yeah. Anyway, Space Jam, um, son of a bummed up hay fever has kind of just kicked in for me the last two days. Um, scene by scene as we go through, not quite to the extent we did with Harry Potter, but I mean, the opening scene that we referenced with R. Kelly it's probably one of the most memorable. It's certainly one of the most viewed when you have a search on YouTube. You've got I Believe I Can Fly coming in. You've got all the MJ references, which seem like they are literally squeezed in with him going, you know what? I want to go to North Carolina. and I'm going to go to the NBA. I'm going to be a champion. <laughs> but that just kicks in, doesn't it, to the montage that you, uh, you, you get with Jordan going through the uh, state championship all the way to being in the NBA. And the, and the two Olympics they show in there as well. Um, Sean, first thing that comes to your mind, what's the best ever opening movie song? Oh. Is it I Believe I Can Fly? I need, I need some time to think about that. I can't really think outside of it now. It, I mean, pre, pre-RK coming out, probably would have said yeah, but no, I probably don't. I think the one I'm thinking of, because again, it defeats the subject because I can't actually think of the song, but Cool Running starts with a very good uh, soundtrack playing. I'm not sure it tops Shook One's part two at the start of Eight Mile as he's doing his little jogging in the bathroom as he spews up. I'm just going to like Shook One's by uh, Mob Deep. Any spring to mind for you, Jack? Um, I can't remember the name of the film, but it's Whatever Starts With Fortunate Son by Koreans Clearwater Revival. Nice. Any any film any film based in Vietnam? Yeah, pretty much. Oh yeah, it's in everyone, but it's a great song. I actually really like it. What's, what's the song called? Fortunate Son. As soon as you hear the first three notes, yeah, you'll know I'll exactly play, what song it is. Yeah, you know it's Vietnam, don't you? Yeah. Um, don't do that, Sean, because then we're oh. going to get taken down for copyright or whoever yeah. was playing that. <laughs> You won't, you won't for a couple of seconds. Well, you never know, because these days, our, our media footage that 
we put out all those years ago was taken down for a piano key, two piano keys that were featured in an intro to something else. So, was it really? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. ways they it just gets scanned these days. So I, I think it's two, a bit different got, with music. We've got two answers for you, mate, um, to be Go honest. On. They are they're they are actually incorrect answers, but they're just two examples that I absolutely love. Uh, one I said to you the other day in Goodfellas, Tony Bennett, Rags to Riches. Great song. Uh, also, Gross Point Blank starts with uh, Johnny Nash, I can see clearly now. Okay. Well, I said to you, I had a false memory where American Pie opens up with Laid by James after Jim pulls the sock off his uh, business. So, mm. Mandela effect got me. The Shire music on in a Fellowship. Incorrect, Sean. That's not, your, that's not in the opening scene, is it? Is it not? I don't think so. So yeah, they start with oh, uh, no, a montage of what happens with. Yeah, uh, it is. Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah, you're right. The next scene we have just quickly. You've got the 1993 press conference where Jordan announces his retirement from basketball. Um, that goes into his baseball thing, where you do get some good exchanges. Uh, they kind of show everyone pandering to him, which. He hates. I guess it's easier for him by the fact he is playing himself in this rather than having to act as someone else. But just the people saying, "Oh, you, I look terrible when I strike out. You look great striking out. He can't hit the ball," and it just mirrors essentially what was happening with him playing baseball. Okay, move on. Um, next one I had down the meeting with all the Looney Tunes. Uh, one of my favourite scenes in the film where they're discussing how to beat the monsters. Uh, they aren't the monsters yet at this stage but it reminded me of the scene in small soldiers where they get briefed about the gorgonites in front of the american flag with chip hazard giving his speech there but this is a way of one showing you all the looney tunes that maybe aren't going to have such a prominent uh feature when it comes into the film showing the world they do have and they just need a way basically don't they to set up we're going to have a game of basketball yeah i think like one of my underappreciated heroes in the Looney Tunes is Foghorn Leghorn. He just, <laughs> just cracks me out every time I hear him talk. He got, Did like, you watch that movie. documentary I sent you, the five-minute 30 for 30? Oh, shit, no, I didn't get time to. So they're, they're doing it in there, and uh, one of the commentators says uh, they literally burn Foghorn Leghorn on the field of play, and they don't even flinch. That is the attitude we're dealing with here. They don't even flinch. Unbelievable that is. If I wish they'd done a whole documentary on it rather than it being just five minutes long. Yeah, you could get some great insight, couldn't you? Well, I thought I'd found earlier um, an entire uh, oral history of Space Jam, and it was a fictional piece, which I only realised after I'd been reading for five minutes. And there's a quote from Michael Jordan, and it says... Look, I told the director, once we get bugs, the rest will follow. And I thought, right, I know what I'm reading it. <laughs> I'm reading a parody piece, which wasn't great as I had taken some notes down from it. <laughs> the NBA players losing their talent. We get some ropey acting around this kind of stage. One, they just do this kind of like standing worm each time one of them gets uh, the talent taken out of them. Apparently, I mean, no talent means you can't catch a ball, which is an interesting development. <laughs> you have no coordination at all. And that weird scene of Charles Barkley kind of moping next to the court where the girls are playing, and then he goes on to play. And like, you're not Charles Barkley. Get out of here. 
again, like this goes back to the nineties were a much more forgiving era. Like you could be hanging around a basketball court watching some kids in. Hey, he just needs to get in there and play. Apparently, he can't move his arms though, which really is a lot of talent. We've got our first real exchange with Bill Murray. Him coming in, he's got a conversation with Larry Bird uh, before MJ is uh, sucked into the Looney Tunes world. And even before that, you've got Bill saying that he he would have been able to play in the NBA, and then saying it's because I'm white, isn't it? <laughs> says Larry's white, and he says Larry's not white. Larry's clear. Is um. The guy, I forgot his name now. Um, the short guy, I think it might be. Larry? I don't know. But is he the voice of Al from Al's Toy Barn? Which short guy? I don't know what you mean. The short, fat guy with curly hair. Stan. Stan, that's it. No. Does sound a lot um, Is he actually? Is, or is he? Let's have a look. Sounds similar. Uh... He's like in a lot of kids' 90s movies. It is Wayne Knight. Yeah, it Jack. is. Yeah. Al McWiggin. He's in a um, he's in a film called Rat Race. I don't know if everyone's seen because sure I've, said, I've yeah. said this to people over the years. No one knows what it is, but Rat Race, great film. Rat he's Race in Rat Race. Great film. Oh, I fucking great. love Rat Race. I'd still is, watch that now, to be honest. Is that where they've got um, that bit where he's driving the Hitler car and then yes, he swallows the cigarette lighter and then yes. a burned mustache. That mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. is exactly right. Uh, that would have been a very odd conversation if that wasn't the same film. <laughs> Rowan Atkins has randomly got narcolepsy. Um, fuck, that's a good film. Uh, Your boy Seth Green's in it, Byron. He is, Gosh. yeah. And uh, Smash Mouth playing at the end. Yeah. Uh, Amy Smart's in it. Byron told me. John Cleese is in it, yeah. Forget, always Cuba, forget about John Cleese. Cuba Gooding Jr.'s in it, Byron. Not Terence Howard, mate. <laughs> Sean saying Amy Schumer are very smart by the way Keenan thoughts uh, I mean now it's a close run race right you've told me many a time that you think she's aged horrendously yeah, this is Amy Schumer we're talking about oh, I'm just saying what you said to me but yeah back in back in the peak Starsky and Hutch Amy Smart it's not even a contest <laughs> I absolutely didn't say that either <laughs> I don't believe you did but <laughs> Uh, on the other hand, shoot, you do come out with some absolute wild ones, so anything's possible. <laughs> do you like that, that scene of him being sucked into the Looney Tunes world? He has his first little uh, exchange with Bugs Bunny, tapping him on the head, the only, screaming in his face. The first thing I thought as I was watching this was um, it's like the only, the, when he gets sucked into the, the hole, yeah. it's like the only point the animation doesn't really look great. It's the only part of it that hasn't really aged well. I think there's one other bit which um, I'll get to in a second, which oh, okay. looked worse watching. Well, I'll tell you now. Um, when uh, Stan gets flattened, um, oh yeah, <laughs> it's a bit. It's, it's not quite as the rest is, but this is 1996. And uh, oh yeah, exactly. I'm not. I'm not slating the film for it, but I did think no, yeah, because <laughs> the Looney Tunes, the Looney Tunes look great now. And yeah. stuff like that, which I suppose they they should do. But well, I prefer yeah, the animation looking at them in this than I do how they're going to look in Space Jam Two. Uh, I, I think that. when you three D three D files, I don't know if you can uh, work out what I'm saying there. But when yeah. you kind of three D file like cartoons, it, it looks a bit funky. Um, no, that's fair. Um, other scenes I had down. 
um, uh, oh yeah, Jordan. So Jordan eventually agreeing to play. He has the confrontation with the Monstars where they insult him, uh, they ball him up, chuck him around, which I don't know how you feel about the animation there, Keen. I don't know how else they can make it look when Michael Jordan's getting scrunched into more of a cube than a uh, ball and dunked. But good little scene. You've got them coming into the gym, uh, spit shine in the place. I'm just showing the Looney Tunes are the Looney Tunes. Mm. Yeah, fair. Um, I had to be honest, I actually had forgotten about them boarding them up. Uh, you make a good point. It wasn't one that yeah. I wrote down, but yeah, you do make a good <laughs> point. It's not not fantastic, but again, it's hard. What what this you like? It's not like you say it's ninety six, and where the where the effects weren't weren't that great. They they're limited, so it doesn't didn't take anything away from the film for me anyway. The, yeah, the budget for what you'd expect if like this film being done today, if you were to compare the budgets, it'll be insane. But as we've kind of referenced, for a lot of the people involved in this, it is essentially like how much we just need it enough to be able to get the merch out of this. And uh, so they weren't going to pump it in. Like if a couple of scenes look a bit different to the rest, then it's, it's so still be it. Up. They've essentially brought in Joe yep. Picker as the director. Um, he's only done one other film before this, and this is the last film he does because um, he'd had some experience in blending live action with animation. And so that's literally what got him the thing. They brought him in um, three weeks before they were supposed to start shooting, and he's actually friends with uh, Spike Lee. And Spike Lee offers to rewrite, and he actually rewrote a scene for this. And the studio, apparently they had such a tough time working with him on uh, Malcolm X. And there's a story with Malcolm X where he kind of brought some of his outside friends to pump some money into the film uh, to try to get his vision. And so when it then came down to the end and they're kind of cutting it and things like that, all these people felt that they had more of a stake in the film than they should have. And so they were so burnt by working with him previously, they refused to have anything to do with him. So oh. you could have had all this all this other involvement in it, but they chose not to have it. They kind of wanted the easy run. His, his job was basically, much like Stan says in this, make Michael's life as easy as possible. I would like to know, obviously, we're never ever going to get to interview Michael Jordan, but it must be, like, be interesting to know what it was like for him making this. Well, just I was reading a couple of accounts of what it was like to be on set with him. And they say, even when you compare to some actors, they say it must just kind of be his personality in that he doesn't do anything kind of half-hearted. Like, he wasn't stood around saying, what's my line again? Like, he memorised all of his lines going into the going into shooting. He was completely there. Like, he wasn't complaining about being on set for the hour of the day. All he asked was essentially, as we know, I just need to have space to be able to be fit for the new season. Yeah, no, but I mean, like the scenes where he's, it's him and the loony scenes in the gym. It must be, because what, what do they, I wonder so how what they, they set did, up for him just to make it. So what the they did is, they brought in these like Euro League basketball players, essentially they were cheap, they were as tall as what the Monstars would be in comparison to him. Yeah. And they put them in like, green, like lycra suits basically, so they could be green screened out. But, yeah they were putting on voices and he was then working with characters rather than being stood around as it would be for most kind of actors yeah. just in front of a green screen talking to no one. 
And so supposedly that that helped him quite a lot because ah. he did feel like he was acting with someone rather than a room full of people behind the camera and him talking down to a Bugs Bunny that isn't there. Oh, yeah, no, that was sorry, mate. That was exactly my question. I wondered yeah. whether they had sort of left him on the court just, yeah, hey, Mike, we need you in. No, spot there's a, a couple spot of pictures. B, Essentially, like, it's just a green room that he's in the whole time. Like, there's really nothing, like, even the scenes uh, where they're having the basketball game, it's not like they're on a court. And so he's got some kind of feel of it like that. He's literally just in a green box room for the majority of the film. Oh. Filming just with these other guys alongside him. So, hmm, um, fair enough. Yeah, we mentioned the crossover. I thought one of the scenes that's aged the best was uh, when Bugs and uh, Daffy go to get his shorts from his house and you have them complaining about not being paid enough and needing new agents because uh, they're not getting enough money from all of the uh, image rights that they're giving away. Um, You've got just the whole fact of a dog crossover and we said about that in Toy Story, didn't we, where the things that should be smaller for you look they're massive to the toys in the film and it translates well as just being a bit of a different dynamic and actually having a scene with kids interacting with the Looney Tunes and I guess that goes a long way for a kid audience because otherwise you think other than that point there isn't another kid in the film for a kid's film that actually gets to see that the Looney Tunes as far as this goes are real things that kind of are in that world so I think it's an important scene and the age as well, just with the crossover. Yeah, I, I like that scene as well. It's a scary looking dog. Like I know it's meant to be kind of a big, lovable thing, but if I see that dog in, in the street walking towards me, I'm probably crossing over. It's a vicious little thing. It's taking down six foot whatever Michael Jordan with ease. And he's claiming he can't get it off when he's licking him as well. But maybe, maybe these people can't use their arms once their talent goes. What else did I have, Dan? Just... Okay, so first half of the game, we've got Falkhorn Leghorn gets fried, we've got Tweety Pie gets squashed, and you will see actually when you watch the game back, not a single shot gets missed, by the way. Every single time you see someone go to the basket, the ball goes in the net. You don't see a single shot get missed. For a film, the film's an hour and a half long. I'll go to you, Keenan. How long if you were to estimate to pump up the jam kick in like that's when the basketball game kicks in really that's when you've got the announcement started and they show the traffic on the way to the arena so for a basketball film this is when you get a basketball match uh, i don't know give me a guess hour and a half long the film is I feel like a lot of this film is basket is the basketball game. I'm going to say 40, 45 minutes. You're incredibly close. Fifty minutes is when uh, pump up gonna... the jam is when pump up the jam kicks in. Just they uh, specifically play or actually almost show a proper basketball game. Yeah. So and huh. as when you're tuning in to watch it, especially as a kid, it's like this is the equivalent of you're waiting to see the lightsaber battle. Like you're tuning in to see this colossal game of basketball and they don't skimp out on it they give you plenty to see I know you see all sorts happening on the court but they they don't shy away and have that as an afterthought it's a basketball film and you get the big game of basketball that you're supposed to get 
Um, Foghorn Leghorn's death is now aged well, so well for me after, after watching that documentary. <laughs> <laughs> it kills me when I watch that again. Well, yeah, the fact they literally don't flinch. Did you say that? Has Harper and Keenan seen that? I mean, we spoke about it earlier on this episode, so I really don't know what you've been doing. <laughs> I did go out. I did go out for a, a piss for a bit, so that you might have spoke about it then. Yeah. So uh, Jack hasn't seen it. Keenan has, but yeah, when they say about the mentality of the players by the fact that they don't even react, <laughs> yeah, so unbelievable. Good. He, I mean, he of course gets it worse than anyone when he said, "Did you order the extra crispy?" Um, but you've got an old woman gets battered by about six of them in a pile on. You've got Tweety Pie gets stomped on. Um, Sylvester gets a hole. He get wasn't it a cannon fires through him for him to have a hole in his stomach. They, they do all take a beating, and Stan gets popped. He does. So, Foghorn Leghorn. Maybe that's why they aren't flinching because they've all already suffered a lot. <laughs> That when I was a kid, and I had this on VHS Space Jam, and to show how time goes, on July the 1st, they're now releasing a 4K copy of it to coincide with the release of Space Jam 2. So that's how uh, technology's gone on. But the VHS, I remember having a, a mate round in primary school and just rewinding Stan where they let the air out of him and you have the fart noise coming out. <laughs> essentially as he's blowing away and just rewinding it and watching it again and rewinding it and watching it again and even sometimes just skipping straight to pump up the jam when that comes in and then going from there for the basketball game it is it is really great even now Sean you said um, I might want to watch some Looney Tunes again after seeing this yeah yeah 100% who was your favourite because obviously for, uh, it's not like you're just getting all of them in one thing you've got Bugs and Alma Fudd, you've got Wiley Coyote and Roadrunner, you've got Tweety Pie and Sylvester. I think, well, if I give you like two different answers, I think in the yeah. in the actual film, um, I think it's Daffy or, yeah. or Bugs, um, probably Daffy. But then in the actual Looney Tunes, I think I liked um, Wiley Coyote and Roadrunner the most. Yeah, same, same. Keenan, did you have a favourite back when you were a kid? Sylvester, I used to like. Willing him on to get a Tweety Pie. I thought I saw a, t- a putty cat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, used to be a fan. Not quite, he's not quite your man Tom, really, when it comes to cutting cats, is he? But he did used to be a fan. Well, let me tell you, this is a lot better than the Tom and Jerry uh, live-action film. Uh, there was a Tom and Jerry movie that was made probably about 2000 that I fucking loved. Tom and the cat. cartoon one. As, yeah. Um, it had a song, uh, oh, I see my head. Uh, it's something, uh, Friends um, is the kind of gist of it. Um, yeah, that's right, mate. So, yeah, right. but I can picture that in my head. I think it was may have been to the tune of New York, New York, that song I'm thinking of. Mm. Um, Jack, who was your favourite Looney Tunes uh, back in the day? Uh, Coyote and Roadrunner. Yeah. Phil like- Roadrunner not utilised enough in a game of basketball. Yeah, I can't. Surely he'd be up and down that court for you. Same with Tasmanian Devil, really. Yeah, correct. He'd be spinning people left and right. Yeah, They matched out the characters that actually talk, don't they? I guess that's the yeah. thinking behind it. Yeah, true. Yeah. No, no, of course. No, it's, it's definitely it. 
Because but... the, the main reason they use Taz is to uh, clean the floor. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's his, that's his main involvement in the film. Because he said, leaves it and says, Lemony Fresh. I actually um, used quite a lot of Tasmanian Devil as well, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's good. Um, didn't know what um, Acme was, just knew it as the heavy thing that would usually get dropped on a Wiley Coyote. Acme is just across. Acme is just in all of them, isn't it? Yeah, that's what I mean. I just didn't know what it was or anything, just knew it as being plastered across whatever's going to drop on there. Uh, Wiley Coyote's head or whoever else it was going to be. Half time, you've got Michael Jordan's secret stuff. First of all, Stan, who does he think he is? How does he think he's going to get away with hiding in the lockers? Ah, fair play. <laughs> he was gaining nothing from that. Like he gets the, the trivia, not trivia, he gets the information out of them, they've taken the talent. But in the long run, that doesn't actually help anything it's probably going to be more intimidating by the fact they know they've got all the best players in the world yeah it's like when you turn up at sunday league isn't it you iron up your position and everyone's going oh he plays for such and such so you're better off just not knowing Do you, know what you see um sorry i was just gonna say i always think about this as well i wonder how much they had to pay because basically the essence of the film is barkley uh patrick ewan etc etc they just agree yeah. for this point in the film that yeah they're going to steal our talents and we're still not going to be good enough to beat Mike. Yeah. What? Like, wonder if wonder wonder if because you you read about Charles Barkley and he's got got quite a competitive edge to him which I quite like, but um, just well, always always think I wonder how much they had to pay him for him to split. Yeah, okay. No other basketball player in this film besides from Larry Bird, so the basketball players have their talent taken. None of them even go on to win a championship either. They are literally haunted by Michael Jordan their entire career. Yeah, sad. I saw a quote earlier that says all the best basketball players in the world and Sean Bradley, which is harsh. <laughs> uh, I know nothing about basketball in this day and age. I know even less about the 90s, so you can tell me whether Sean Bradley was any good or was he just tall? No, they're obviously all the best players at the time. I mean, I can't say I've gone back and watched what I just saw. Him be, to be singled out seemed harsh when I was uh, reading earlier. In terms of just how this film travelled, I mean, it's one of them. Of all the films, that, when we've been shocked that someone hasn't seen this or someone hasn't seen that, when Alex said on Monday's podcast that he'd never seen Space Jam, like, I, I can't believe that to be a thing like I don't know anyone else who has like, actually I did there was someone we went to school with but like like 98 out of 100 people if you ask as a kid if they've seen Space Jam well, for a lot of people it's the first film you can remember seeing because it's around that time of when you would have watched it at home or, or gone to the cinema if you were a bit uh, older the amount of times on a Monday in just our general like as we go we've referred to someone as being Space Jammed when they're in a bad run of form and we all just know what that is. Just the way this film's carried for a film that came out in 1996 is very good because so many of these films do go horribly wrong. They just kept it simple, seemingly, and gave you what you want to see from each of the characters. You want to see Michael Jordan dunking alongside Bugs Bunny, basically, and they give you what you want. Yeah, 100%. It's kind of just what the doctor ordered, isn't it? You know what you're getting, and you like what you see. So, when they go out in the second half, like in in the first half, the scoreboard 
Uh, it's not quite the same nitpicking this, I know. But the way the scoreboard goes, he claims that he can't count anymore. And then they come back after half time, and within a couple of minutes, they're, they're four points down. Um, and it's spun over three figures in the first half. So I don't know who was doing the scores this alongside what, that. But This is what I was thinking that it was like 78 to 76 or something like that last quarter. It yeah. Was, like every shot had gone in. So for the rest of the match, what were they doing? <laughs> they just yeah. Stood around for like large portions of the game. Because I don't, like I said, I don't profess to know a lot about basketball, but I know that's a fairly lo- low scoring game, isn't it? Yeah, it's more of a, like a college scoreline that is, which yeah. is two halves rather than four quarters. Right. Sean, in this basketball game, do you think the film is better or worse if after Michael Jordan has his dunk or his last stretch Armstrong moment, if the Monstars hit a shot, hits the rim, maybe bounces a couple of times like the Kawhi shot, and misses. Do you think that's better, or do you think it, it's better as it is with Jordan having the last shot? Uh, I think it's. I think it would be better, possibly, if they did that, or if it was like because I know you said there's no one missed shot, which obviously that would have been or. Yeah. Jordan like blocks a shot from one of the monsters. Yeah. That could have possibly been better, and but then also you could flip that and say, Jordan maybe could have had a Kawhi-like shot. Where it goes yeah. in, like bounces a couple of times and then goes in. I think that might have been better as well. Well, there's a bit before which I never picked up as a kid, just you don't really care. But there's an there's an incident that happens on the court, and I can't think which one it is of all the things that happen to all of them. And they say like, how does that happen? I think Bugs says, "You're in Looney Tunes world. Like anything can happen here." And then he obviously does the stretch um, a, a couple of uh, minutes later. Yeah, that just seems a bit of a miss, just the fact that they don't add any kind of drama in that way. Because the amount of times, even in regular basketball, someone hits a shot, and then you almost get that moment as a fan or in the players as well, where they're like, there's 0.9 seconds left here. And that's still what they'll say, plenty of time to catch the ball and get a shot off kind of thing. You could have had a bit of drama that way, but I can understand. Well, I understand why you have Jordan having the last shot, but even kind of in the midst, if there's a moment where say they can pull away to make it I don't know a two point game where the most they can get is, is to overtime or something like that and they miss a free throw or there's just all sorts they could have done but that really is kind of drawing any criticism out of a film where I couldn't really think of anything before we've got Bill Murray coming in Keenan as, as good as cameos go so we gave it the um, Rex Ryan Hall of Fame that Seth Green's side character of the week, which we really need to get back to calling it that. Mm. If we say so, Seth Green is that end of the scale. Bill Murray, if we call him a cameo here, where where does that lie on the scale? Even just his scene. <laughs> Whoa, I, I, I don't play defense. Um, I I think I've I think I've ever told you this on I think I've said it on the pod before that I fucking love Bill Murray. Yeah, I think it was when we were speaking about Zombieland, which we've got later I, in the bracket. Nice. Yeah, I fucking love Bill Murray. So I'm, I'm all in on it. In fact, it's like what I think about. One, it's one of the first things I think about when I think about this film. That also, is, that... his, his little scene on the his little little cameo on the pitch just beats three men and does his thing. <laughs> and then walks away injured. They do. They talk about heat checks. <laughs> Honestly, comes in, drops everyone. And he's like, actually, back's gone. See you later, boys. Yeah. 
It's the only way it's the least Ice's knee done me. He says, like, you're not going to celebrate. And he's like, no, I need, I need, to, get, I need to get this looked at. And Michael just be like, Israel, you're pretty good. And he's like, I know. He's just absolutely fucked. <laughs> Legend. Great way of introducing him as well. It, it draws away with anyone that's going to it in a film like this, say, oh, come on, well, how did he get there? And he's like, friend of the producer. Uh, yeah. Got me down here. Nice and easy. And it's a good little line as well. Yeah, it is. I think I didn't appreciate as much at the time not knowing who Bill Murray was. Like uh, when I was younger, I used to think that he was actually like a basketball player. Like he was just a not very good <laughs> basketball player that's just come in because that's the way he's kind of painted when he comes in. But his thing of reeling off the entire game plan and there's a war on defense. Whoa, I don't play defense. And it's the same as kids that would say they don't play in goal back in the day. So what do you mean you don't play in goal? We're doing, we, we, we're doing that you concede and you switch. You don't not go in goal unless you were very good, which Jordan, if you wanted to say, I don't play defence, but fair enough. Bill Murray doesn't have that privilege. And then, well, his his stretch. How, how do you like that scene now? Him going full stretch Armstrong. He is literally at half court. The referee he hasn't called a foul. He's got three monsters wrapped around him Marvin the Martian is letting fouls go. He's letting it play rough. <laughs> so, I mean, of course he is. We've just referenced everything that happens yeah, in the film yeah. before this. So, I mean, he's up in the air. He's got three monsters wrapped around him and he does stretch Armstrong. As much as I love the dunk, because uh, I do like the line where he's like, oh, this is too much. And he's like, now you tell me. Always made me chuckle as a kid. Um, but I meant to say it a minute ago, but I let you, let, let you talk. Um, but I am really surprised this is like the only only cliffhanger in a sports film that doesn't involve it in the post, it in the bar, hitting the yeah. rim, hitting the backboard. Blah, blah. It's the only shot that goes straight in. Obviously, I, I know he dunks it, but the timer is you probably no, no. That's what I mean, you know, you know, I, you know, they, you know, but that's coming normally anyway. Joe, how many yeah, times yeah. do you in in a film does it? Bass, we take basketball films. Do you beat the For buzzer? Sure. Uh, yeah. But it, it's the backboard. It's the rim, fucking eighteen times, and then just yeah. rolls in. Um, even there's even a thing called there's a film called The Road to El Dorado where they play like an Aztec game, which is a similar yeah, mix yeah. of football and football and basketball. Even that good film bounces and oh, I really like it. I always did. Um, yeah. And then the woman, it's it, it's the like the post with her ass and it falls in yeah. stuff like that. It, that's that's what you expect. So it's probably one of the only ones I can think. Oh no, maybe Santiago Munoz in goal. He just he just stanches his free kick, doesn't he? Doesn't it the post? Yeah. And then MJ gives the talent back, and they say, "Oh, he's so washed up, you can't, you can't play with us anymore." And then you get the nice end to the film there after they've given the talent back. And then next thing you know, he's back in the NBA. Yep. Um, nice way. It worked out well the way his career went by the fact that they do have these clear timelines to kind of tie it in with, and uh, makes the film that way too. Because apparently they, they thought about doing Space Jam earlier, but then he retired, and they kind of had to go back to the drawing board. Mm. Um, last thing I had on this the owner getting a massage while watching the game that could catch on imagine all these owners up in, up in the bo- in the box getting a massage while watching although watching Burnley play is probably not the same as uh, watching uh, the all-stars uh, the monsters go out with the Looney Tunes I, uh, I do quite like going to Turf Mall though <laughs> we'll, we'll come back to the quotes just because uh, I know we've been on Space Jam for a while. So, Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black 
Pearl. Synopsis, blacksmith Will Turner teams up with eccentric pirate Captain Jack Sparrow to save his love, the governor's daughter, from Jack's former pirate allies who are now undead. That's how you do a synopsis. (laughs) Critics reviews, Sean. What are you expecting? Um... Maybe the, the same as Space Jam, I reckon. There might be some good ones in there. There's probably some awful ones in there as well, though. Right. This comedy is well integrated into the story, helping us to get to know the characters and the relationships that arise between them, but always with the mind of offering the viewer pure popcorn entertainment. Both films have been given that tag now. It plays long, but it all works because everyone has so much fun. Yeah. Depth's highly strange, oddly magnetic and irresistibly entertaining performance energises the overextended two-hour-plus proceedings. I, for a long film, it doesn't feel... doesn't that, feel long, no. Like, that's probably one of the best compliments you can give a long film. You two must have been watching a different film. I actually enjoyed it just as much as I did when I watched it when I was a kid, which is difficult. I haven't been able to say that for a lot of the films in this bracket. Nice, Jeff. I like that from you. I'll, I'll put well. on the record now. I I did like the film. Just it did feel very long. Also, I didn't. I I didn't get that feeling. But I do really like Pirates of the Caribbean. So, um, Johnny Depp takes a big chance in an over-the-top performance that could just as easily have turned into a bad joke as a larger-than-life character. This legitimately changes his life. To be fair, doesn't it? Yeah, I've got a bit on that. So if we save that. It's never a good sign when source material is based off of something as flimsy as a theme park thrill, thrill ride, but Pirates of the Caribbean works on many cylinders. <laughs> if anything, it makes it better. Well, I guess they're saying when you don't have much to work with, you know it mean, doesn't yeah. isn't usually a good sign. At, say, 85 minutes, this would have been a jolly little swashbuckler, but at 1.43, it turns into an unholy trial. And finally... Peg legs, parrots, hidden treasure, plank walking, and plunging necklines. Now that's what a pirate movie is about. <laughs> Great review. Great review, yeah. I'll give you some trivia then. So, clothing and smears of charcoal were used to conceal Johnny Depp's numerous tattoos. The Jack Sparrow tattoo on his arm in the movie's fake, but he got a real replica after finishing the film in honour of his son, Jack. Fair play. I mean, you should have just done it to start with, really. Yeah. Well, I probably didn't know how successful it was going to be. They they didn't yeah. expect this to do as half as well as it did. Really? Yeah. They they kind of made this and were like, let's hope it does well. But you'll see some of that in some of what I'll tell you now. So yeah. Originally, Johnny Depp wanted Jack Sparrow to have no nose and be afraid of silly things like pepper and the common cold. Disney rejected the idea. Yeah, I'm glad they did. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Robert De Niro was offered the role of Captain Jack Sparrow but he declined thinking the movie wouldn't do well in the box office as many other pirate movies in the past I wanted to play Hero, a, Sparrow a, a yeah. they, they didn't so have him as being glad. as eccentric Johnny Depp kind of took it and ran with it I think if he um, if he's doing Jack Sparrow he basically does what Jeffrey Rush does for Barbosa. I thought it'd be Bar- yeah, yeah like Barbosa. I could maybe see, but I think that's, that's basically Robert De Niro's version of it, right? Yeah, well, I guess we don't we just... don't know, but I think that would be that's that's what you assume you end up with. I'm so glad he doesn't take that. I know he it's takes really... some shitty roles later on, but well, he wasn't. Yeah, this time he wasn't. He was a bit more conscious. 
I think he probably plays it as if he's doing a mafia character. He's essentially a wise cracking pirate, so he's just not quite as camp. Mm, I don't know. Not sure about that. Old, but... Well, I think that's the thinking of them when they went for him and they should have a big name. Um, Kira Knightley revealed on a talk show that during the film of the movie, she had to constantly have padding to make her chest appear like there's something there. So <laughs> I've got the I've got the quote that she said. Um, she said, it was all done by the film studio art of bosom makeup, a skill from Hollywood's golden age to fill out a favour with the advent of silicone enhancements. She said, they painted my tits on me for the films, which is extraordinary because it's kind of a dying art form. In the past, they used to have whole sections of the studios devoted to bosom makeup. And I loved it, completely loved it, because it was the first time in my life I had big tits and I didn't even need surgery. <laughs> I thought the way you went there, I thought it was going to turn into like she hates it now. But well, later on she does um, when it comes to King Arthur, um, which is a year later. She's probably a bit sick of it by then. She cursed, although this she knows is going on. She cursed King Arthur because uh, essentially when they sent the posters to America, they just photoshopped it. Yeah, so, uh, she had bigger butts. Yeah. yeah. Um, she says the process of creating the cleavage took forty-five minutes every morning before filming started. A makeup artist would apply a slightly darker shade of base makeup between Miss Knightley's own breasts to create a shadow to increase the cleavage effect. Sean, is this the best she's ever looked? Yeah. She's 17 in this, you sicko. Who do you think you are? <laughs> she is actually 17 in this film, which shook me as well. Her I mum th- is on set filming the whole thing. I think she's... Um... Well, before saying this, actually, when, when did that... <laughs> I've actually asked. Oh, five? Yeah, I reckon it's yeah, after. I think they've actually probably more kind of like settled down marriage material, but I do think this is her peak. No, Love Actually comes out the same year. <laughs> well, there you go. Um, Fair play. She had a great couple of years, mind. She did, yeah. yeah. Well, she's King said, Arthur, she, Love Actually. She turns 18 while it's being filmed, so but during the start of filming, because yeah. I do think this is the best she looks. So. I feel like she looks older than 18. 17. She looks older than she does in Love Actually, I would say. Um, and probably older than she looks in King Arthur a year later. Yeah, definitely, yeah. But this dark territory, if we go down of uh, that kind of path. The other people that were potentially thought of to be cast in her role, Amanda Bynes and Jessica Elba. Christ, Mick, could you imagine if Jessica Elba was in this film now, but you would lose your head? It could have changed history for me, Keenan. It would have fucking... been Jessica Alba's face on that poster. Jesus <laughs> <laughs> <It's a> fucking <laughs> Christ. <laughs> That's what Fuck it was. Mate. I can't see a poster in my room. What, you just locking eyes with fucking Johnny Depp? <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember that. Well, I can't remember that. Far, I don't remember the exact circumstance. I can't, I, I'm pretty sure it wasn't uh, Johnny Depp, though. Well, it wasn't Amanda Bynes. She uh, went off the rails shortly after, so them franchising wouldn't have gone so well. Yeah. Uh, when casting for the role of Will Turner, it was down to Orlando Bloom or Heath Ledger. Gore Verbinski chose Bloom because he heard he was in Lord of the Rings trilogy and thought it'd be a more bankable choice. Again, I mean, also not to be horrible, but franchising wouldn't have gone so well for him. No, but they also they actually include the first trailer for this. Um, it debuts before Two Towers. Um, to capitalise on the fact that 
both film star Orlando Bloom, and that would hopefully reel people in, which I guess was a big part. Great couple of years for him as well. I was going to say, Christ me. I'll get this out of the way now, um, uh, Keenan and Jack and Sean. If you if you, if you let me paint the picture here, because I'm sure you know where this is going. <laughs> Sean has a thing where he essentially tells birds that he oh, looks right. like Orlando Bloom, <laughs> and then hopes and then hopes they'll agree. So he 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 has this thing now where he says several people have told me I look like Orlando Bloom already rash but if you can picture it like this the the the, the, the recent times that this has gone down he'll say that people say i look like someone they'll say who and go, you know in parts of the caribbean lord of the rings they'll say orlando bloom and then yeah see no someone else has said i look like orlando bloom <laughs> well byron's changed this go on oh, so no. you tell people me the actual you, story so <laughs> it is actually true. There are, there <laughs> Tell are, me which one you think sounds more three, realistic. There are three occasions where that has actually happened. <laughs> Don't take this oh. the wrong way, shoot, because oh. it's going to sound, like, sound like I'm insulting you. But who on God's green fucking earth has ever told you you look like a <laughs> This is what I'm trying to say <laughs> to you. This isn't something that I say. Yes, it is. It's legit. I wish I still. I did have it. I used to have it on a text message. I don't anymore. But. Um, yeah, there were there are three official documented instances. <laughs> and in instances since when people talk about lookalikes, there are three people I've actually said I look like Orlando Bloom before. You say this like I haven't actually brought this up in years. <laughs> yes, you have. I, I ran with it. You have. I was with you in Cavos when you brought it up for a start. Cavos was 2013. <laughs> What's your point? Years ago. Yeah, but you brought it up in Cavos. So I can remember hearing it and being. Perplexed. Seven years ago. <laughs> well, what's um, your point? What's I mean? You weren't bringing it up. You, and I you were on the Cavos strip saying to Bird, do you not you think I look? Do you not think I look like uh, Orlando Bloom? Oh uh, my God! Uh, yeah, I don't know. Was a, it was a legitimate thing. I don't know what you look. I don't know what you look like back in the day, shoot. Uh, but uh, I've seen videos. Not uh, like Orlando yeah, Bloom. Orlando yeah, <laughs> Bloom for sure. Um, I've seen videos of you recently, and I don't. Again, I don't need to sound. Don't what want to sound mean rude. You've but... seen videos of me recently. <laughs> what do you mean, you fucking div? You said I saw that video the other week of you walking around the park, uh, giving, it, giving it influencer. Man, I just thought you meant Byron has sent you some weird videos. Of your no, I got oh, no, sent no, a video of you do you doing a job ad while you were strolling oh, through got... some park. Yeah, yeah. If I sent if I sent Keenan the videos I have, I have of you. He either wouldn't be on the podcast next week or he'd be asking for you not to be. <laughs> but yeah, there, I just, Sean, thought Sean, it was just for the record, Sean just lives here. So it wouldn't be me who wouldn't be, wouldn't, wouldn't be coming back. <laughs> Sean, he looks like Orlando Bloom, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> next, uh, next week, Harper will be telling us, you know, a couple of people have to look like Idris Elba. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a a bigger likeness between us two than uh, shooting. <laughs> I don't disagree. So the other actors that were considered for the role of Will Turner before it got narrowed down to Bloom and Ledger, Jude Law, Ewan McGregor, Toby Maguire, and Christian Bale. I like a couple of them. You know, not Jude Toby Maguire. Uh, not Jude Law, funnily enough. Chicks um, love Jude Law. <laughs> what film's that from? Phone shop. It is, oh, sorry. Yeah. Um, 
a couple of them I like. Christian Bale, I would think would do a good job. Um, Tobey Maguire, no. Who? Ewan McGregor it? could do it. Sorry, Ewan, Ewan McGregor. McGregor. I was going to say, I think Ewan McGregor could do it, but this is post Star Wars, so I think he's just too. I say big. this I with too big. the utmost respect to Orlando Bloom. He he's just plain enough for this role. Like when you've got Johnny Depp there doing the role that he is, and there's there's some uh, footage of this online where the director is essentially just keeps telling Orlando Bloom to change the way he's doing the character. Like uh, when I used to go and visit Sean uh, for Freshers Week, he had two kids that he lived with that had like the strongest Brummie accents you could ever deal with. And so after a while of Sean being there, he, the words would start to twinge off with some of the things he would say. And essentially this is what was happening with Orlando Bloom. He had Johnny Depp next to him and he was trying to almost like play up to it. So he was acting more vibrant and he was giving it more oomph to the character and the director had to keep stopping him and saying, you're supposed to be like a dorky character. <laughs> you need to tone this down completely. And apparently, like, that's all the extra takes they had to do of Orlando Bloom was just telling him, what are you doing? Like, you're not going to be this guy. Stop trying to be. And eventually they, they got it down. And he said, just imagine nobody here likes you. <clears throat> now do it. And that's the, that's the role that you get. He's trying to impress people rather than uh, acting as if he's already kind of the top dog. I guess, like, it's hard not to, though. And you're right, I guess, when you mirror accents, because I used to work in Evesham, you get those people from Worcester, and I used to mirror the accent, and it was just... I'd, like, pinch myself to stop myself doing it. Um, but when you're up against someone like Jack Sparrow, it's, I guess it's hard not to kind of try and join in on the fun, because it does look like fun acting that role. Well, whenever you have a film with two kind of leads like this, and I know... In comparison, I'm not saying he is, but uh, Will Turner is more of a side character than he is MVP in this compared to how Jack Sparrow is. And in these types of films, you usually have one that is straight edge and have one that's the other. So it's not like Step Brothers where you've got Will Ferrell, John C. Riley, and they're both shooting for the stars. This is very much like, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo is your main man and the guys behind him, Dybala, isn't trying to be Ronaldo in this situation. So he's got to know what he's doing. And it works out perfectly, obviously, but it, I think it would be tough. Christian Bale is probably the other, the next best one to do that, I would say. Mm. Although I'm not sure he's got the same kind of charm exuding from him. Like him playing a more downbeat role, he probably is just going to look a bit more depressing. Yeah. Or Bruce Wayne style. <laughs> Keenan just turned his fan on. No, it's been on the whole time. I can hear some rustling from someone, but I couldn't tell why oh, you've been quiet. Um, Ted Elliott and Terry Rossio have said in interviews that they wrote the script in the early 90s. Somehow Steven Spielberg got hold of it and he wanted to direct the film with Bill Murray, Steve Martin or Robin Williams playing Captain Jack Sparrow. But Disney didn't give him permission for the film to be made. Bill Murray is Jack Sparrow, Keenan. I know you said you're a fan. It's just too old, unfortunately. This was made in, like, 90s. I'm all over it. Well, that would have been, so... This was, uh, if it was going to be made in the 90s. But Disney no, didn't give him the budget or... Uh, and yeah, around the 90s, that time, 
around that time, it probably goes to Steve Mine or Robin Williams before Bill Murray. Do you not think? Steve Mine. Like if the studio are picking, you've got Bill Murray, Steve Martin, Robin Williams there. I think they give that to Steve Martin before they give it to Bill Murray. I think you're doing Bill Murray a disservice, mate. No, I'm not. I'm not at all. Because um, I, I would rather see the film if it's him there. But, no, I mean, just mean in terms of star power, man. So we talk yeah, in, the 90s. In terms of this film, uh, it doesn't. It just says in the early 90s. So, so early 90s. So 89 he does... 88, 89, he's in Scrooge, which was massive, massive. Ghostbusters, what about Bob? Worth watching if no one's seen okay, it. Okay, Ghost, Ghostbusters, um, now you put that timeline there, maybe that maybe that makes a bit more sense. I could just see Steve Martin on the poster and Robin Williams more. Maybe Robin Williams because of Hook, but... Steve Martin, I don't, I don't see that. Myself. I don't see that part myself. I just don't see it. I don't even think you see it making sense as like an offer. But... So it's weird, it's weird for any of those to be fair uh, the title was originally just Pirates of the Caribbean but the name was changed and I hope it would do well at the box office and a sequel could be made um, around 35 minutes in the final cannon shot during the Black Pearl siege of the town billows into a Mickey Mouse head shape against the night sky in tribute to Disney uh, British metal band Bring Me the Horizon got their band name from one of the last lines in the film Bring Me That Horizon we had last week's film, Influencing the Fratellis, and uh, this week, Bring Me the Horizon. And finally, in an early version of the script, according to the DVD commentary, Norrington was to ask Elizabeth to marry him, and she said no. Enraged by this, Norrington was going to join Barbosa, and the two of them were going to try and take over the Caribbean. However, this script was turned down. I don't think you need much more of him, to be honest. No, no. Do you not like your boy Norrington? I don't. No, it doesn't do a lot for me. Very, very Manila. Yeah, true. I don't need that more in the film. He does get better as he, as his life does deteriorate, he becomes far more <laughs> interested. So maybe, maybe that's maybe that, that actually script might have worked well for him. Very, uh, a good trilogy. It's up there in trilogies, I'd say. Yes. I don't rate the second one, but I really like the third one. Yeah, I've said to you. I'm with you. Second film, us. second film, most desperate I've ever been for a piss while sober. I prefer the first and third. I'm one of about four people who actually like the fourth and who don't mind the fourth and fifth one. Like everyone else, just seems to hate them. But I'd, I'd watch them. Totally I'd be great, interested great, it? to know um, what Jack did here because I can remember, and I think I've mentioned this on a pod before, when we were in whichever year we were in. I'm going to say maybe year ten or eleven. There was two school trips, and you didn't know about the first, the second one when the first one was. So the first one was doing uh, kayaking, basically. And then the people that, and they said they only had a certain number of spaces. And then the people that missed out on kayaking had the opportunity to go to Pizza Hut and the cinema. And they even had laser tag in there as well. But the film was to see the uh, third Pirates of the Caribbean film. I was doing the kayaking, which wasn't very pleasant. Yeah, I was doing the kayaking as well. And I okay. was envious, yeah. envious of everyone that got to go to the cinema and just piss about because I had some of the stories. No, that would have annoyed me. <laughs> that would have definitely annoyed me. I, don't, I haven't seen any after the second one, so maybe the third one is a classic. And I've, uh, I really like the third one. I just don't have any real... Well, I enjoy, the first one... I like, and then after there, 
kind of I, I didn't feel any particular feeling towards the characters. We'll do that later. If we do a scene by scene, so I've got some pegged down. Obviously, as we go through, if chronologically I've missed any out, jump in, um, and I'll happily defer to give more uh, meat to uh, each scene as we go. So the opening scene that we start with, Elizabeth has a flashback of the first time that she met Will Turner, um, including the stealing of the coin. Do you think that's a good good opening? Do you think that should have come as a flashback later when she sees when you see that on her neck, or do you think that's good? Because for a film where Jack Sparrow is your main man, do you think it should have started with him, or you like the way the way around I like, it is? I, I like the uh, introduction to Sparrow. I like it, and I, I also like his entrance as well, yeah, so I wouldn't yeah. change that. Um, I wouldn't do, mess around with that at all. No, no, I don't mean change the scene, but the the order, do you think? No, no, you no, start I wouldn't, with that? Wouldn't, change okay. it, just wouldn't change it at all. I like that you're into it, and then you get to meet him. Yeah. I like the really? gifts in it as well. Do quite like that aspect. Mm. For for me, when I when I tuned in from memory, the first scene was her having the corset on where she can't breathe, going into the water, and then you see Jack Sparrow. And so, I actually thought I clicked on one of the later films when it started like this, kind of all guns blazing or cannons blazing um, at the start, and I had to check. So that's what made me uh, made me think, Jack. What do you think? Are you happy with the opening scene as it is? Yeah, I am too. I'm, I'm pretty happy with it, I think. just It's nice when a film opens up and gives you something else to think about. Um, instead, and then goes and brings in your lead crazy character like Jack Sparrow. If, uh, stay with you, Jack. From when we see Jack Sparrow, is there any doubt in your mind that he is the star of the film from I, that first instance no it's funny because i actually see all three of them as the stars i can't do even in the first film yeah i think they're all pretty integral i thought to how it goes because you've got elizabeth in um will in the first bit then you've got a bit of jack then you've got the fight between jack and will it's almost like a a meet cute for those two to become the two stars and then they're pretty inseparable throughout that then you have the storyline of elizabeth on the ship and then I think that they share the limelight, if I'm perfectly honest. Then you get to see how they all interact with each other. So, like, if you've got a bit of the desert island with uh, Elizabeth and Jack, and then you've got Elizabeth and Will, and then Will and Jack, and it just it works really well in in my eyes as three stars in the movie. That's how I feel. Keenan, do you agree, or is is Jack Sparrow a level above the other two? In this one, probably. That he does change obviously as things go go on, um, but that's more through the character than the the actor. But in this one, for the, the I thought it's quite clear. In for this one, uh, no, but I, I, I think it I, I think it moves. The later the film goes, the more it moves. For the first hour or so, he's the out, or maybe a bit longer. Than that. First hour and a half or so, he's the he's the out and out winner. And then it sort of moves and shifts for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably somewhere in between. I don't think there's like levels to it. I think if you told me I had to pick one, then it, it would be Sparrow. But but yeah, I do think it's still quite close. But he would be the one I'd pick if I had to pick one. If, if you were speaking to someone and they say about, and they describe it and just say, you know, the main character in 
parts of the Caribbean, is there's not an instance where you're ever thinking that they mean Orlando Bloom or Kieran Knightley, though, are you? True, that is the one you're going to think of, yeah. I think that's more to do with the character than it is him being the star, though. Like, you can get... I, I'm i really on the fence on this. Like, I reckon they're all as big as each other, personally. Just different characters. I thought maybe that's the... why... I'm just going to say, maybe that's why Orlando Bloom thought he had to try and overact to yeah. get that limelight. When we do star of the film later, if, if I'd said, who's the real star of the film, that would be one where I would have glossed past and said... Well, I assume we're all saying Jack Sparrow's the star of the film. Yeah, on the on the balance of the whole thing, I would agree with you. Like I say, for the first hour and a half, it's clear. But I think as the story and the film moves, it just it still he still wins it. He's and he's still as I say, but yeah, it, it does come together. As the podium it... was pretty clear. I thought it was pretty uh, Sparrow on top, Elizabeth second, Will Turner third. Like if that was me doing it like I, I could do that like it would take me three seconds like to order them in terms of the film and I'm taking that just on this film because I, I don't remember the others like I just remember uh, what's the name David Jones in the second one that that opening scene that you have with Jack Sparrow um, so you've got the conversation he has with the uh, two guys guarding the port you have kind of his ship sinking as he gets there, what do you think of that scene in particular, Keenan, and the way uh, the way it's done, especially as it. an introduction? Oh, I love it. Like, genuinely, I think it's meant. It made me chuckle. Like, uh, last night, Tuesday, night, whenever I watched this film, it made me chuckle as much as it did the first time. I like the way it's done. Those two two clowns. Uh, I've also been bring it in because I've been thinking about it. I don't know if you've written this down. I don't see why you would have. Some great life lessons given in this film, and one of them comes at this point in the film. Do I you... haven't written this down now, so... Uh, Would you care, care for me to run for him? Yeah, yeah, sure. Wonderful, thank you. Bear with me. Just got to bring it up, excuse me. Uh, there's one, and I'll start from start start from the first. Uh, it actually is in this scene. Um, a dishonest man you can always trust to be dishonest. Great yeah. life lesson. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, when they're talking about, when Jack Sparrow's talking about fairness, and he says, uh, when he's told that he'd be killed in a fair fight, he says, there's no incentive for me to fight fair. It was also a good life lesson. If you can't win, make sure you do. Make sure that you find a way to. The only rules that matter are what a man can do and what a man can't. Yeah, what a man can't do is true in all scenarios. And lastly, my favourite favourite life lesson: take what you can, give nothing back. <laughs> yeah, well, very good. Jack Sparrow, man of wisdom. The way. They do it. So in terms of they set up pretty early, don't they? Pirates are bad guys. Everyone else, good guy. Do you think it's intentional to make you dislike the likes of Norrington and the others? Because for the supposed good guys, and you have this as a course throughout the whole film, they are very dislikable. Like Even when they come to kind of save the day, when they kind of rescue uh, Elizabeth and, and Jack later on, right from the jump, you know also, that you're not rooting for them at all. Also incredibly boring. Yeah. There's not a lot to them, is there? No. And that obviously is that is intentional, because like Shoot says, as, as uh, Norrington being the best example, as you move through the films uh, and bad things happen to him, he becomes far more interesting 
that even not just in terms of a story, but actually the conversations that are had or the things that he says rather are suddenly more interesting. Um, but yeah, I, I assume it is done. It's done to make you want to be Jack Sparrow on it. Will Will Turner, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You've got that kind of. I mean, we watched the Goonies last week, and some of the ways, particularly that he escapes in this, is very like mousetrapish, isn't it? Like mm. if I if you twirl this thing, this is going to come down, and so on. And as we said last week, the appreciation we have for almost any scene like that. And he has oh, that yeah. as he the first tries escape. to escape here before he gets to Will Turner. Yeah, I mean, as he. The, the, or say the escape, but yeah, the first attempt at the escape where he boot, where he kicks the like kicks the hinge and he's away and he's on the ship and it is great. Yeah, um, Sean. So the scene you have um, the Black Pearl attacking uh, Port Royal. Um, you have Elizabeth hiding. You have for those that have watched The Office, and I think Jack's the only other one here that has. You have uh, Gareth there, and there was a couple of reviews that say. Essentially, this this film will mean so much more to you if you've seen Gareth beforehand. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I've I've watched The Office. Oh, I thought you said before you wouldn't watch it because of your despite uh, the way you despise Ricky Gervais. I do despise Ricky Gervais, and I don't yeah. like it. I think it's fucking terrible. But I have seen it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this scene, Sean, you've got Elizabeth. Then she requests the parlay, and uh, you take us through your thoughts on that scene in particular. It ends up with you meeting Captain Barbosa for the first time. Yeah, yeah. Um, again, I like that. So, because I, I guess that's kind of set up as soon as she's in the water, don't you? And then you see that shockwave go off. So that's when you know that something's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, and and then and then yeah, and then obviously it all kicks off. And then I think you. Well, obviously I know it's going to happen now, but looking back to when I first watched it, you do have that like sense of trepidation. What's going to happen? Are we going to see like loads of people get killed? And then she obviously says parlay and, and gets there. Um, yeah, I do. I do like it. I mean, it leads to, it happens a bit later on. This isn't going to be the same sequence, but when it leads to the, the bit where, uh, you know, Barbosa says like, you best start believing in ghost stories because you're in one. And then, then there's a big reveal that, that they're undead. So, no, I, I do. I do like that scene. And those, ask, two, uh, those two are quite comical as well. The two um, this, pirates. That, that leads me on. So I was going to ask you, Jack. Um, I don't know if you think they were looking for a balancing act. There's a couple of things early on in this film. and This is the first ever Disney film to be given a PG-13 in America. Um, and the fact that you have essentially like zombie pirates here. There's a couple of scenes that look overly kind of Disney-fied. And not so much in like making it for kids, but in the way they do it. So the scene where Elizabeth is holding uh, the coin by the string and she kind of drops it a tiny bit and all everyone on the boat kind of leans forward kind of in unison. Mm -hmm. And the thing I thought was most kind of Disney-fied was when she first gets introduced as Sean teed up there and she tries to almost run away and she falls down and he gets sprung into the air and kind of flies towards the camera with a face looking up do you do you think that's a conscious effort by them jack because if you're going to have zombie pirates you also can't go all in and make yeah. it so you're scaring kids away yeah you've got to make it light i, I did think exactly the same thing when she falls in that hole yeah oh, good job there's six zombie pirates down there with a blanket to show them yeah. <laughs> it's like um, a, they do that in aladdin the first scene of aladdin he falls somewhere 
It's like so, the Disney is a Disney trademark, isn't it? Where yeah, anyone falls down a hole which they could get really hurt from, there's always someone there with a blanket yeah. to fling them back up again. Um, but yeah, you you can't go all in on zombie pirates in a Disney movie. I was I was actually quite not shocked, but I was like when I saw some of them getting like speared with the uh, bayonets at the end of the rifles and yeah. like, some of that, and I was like, bloody hell, yeah, this this was quite dark for a Disney film. Do you think that's why they have the monkey? Yeah, again, it's, it's adding that nice kind of, oh, they're zombie pirates, but they're nice. Like, in real life, a girl goes on a pirate ship. Not, it's not so much a Disney setting when you can consider the reality. Look, Keenan, um, when you think that the majority of these pirates essentially just don't want to be cursed anymore, do you, do you think they maybe deserved a bit more of a break? Well, I know Barbosa is maybe trying to have his wicked way here and uh, get a couple of sacrifices just here and there. The majority of them have no real ill intentions. They just they just want to be able to feel again. Yeah, I mean, most of them are just trying are actually just try actually want to die. We've had ten years of this, no, not being able to yeah. eat, not being able to have, a, not being able to stop being thirsty. They're ready, for, they're ready for ready for the big nap. So are they being selfish, not helping them out. Um, it's not really their problem, is it? They I'm chose it. Gone all the way there, You're like. Oh, well, lads, we can all be we can all be winners here. Well, yeah. you, we'll all go on our way. Yeah, but uh, I suppose uh, part of it being is the this the wonderful lesson in all children's film that greed doesn't pay. The whole point of them being cursed yeah. is that they try to nick, they try to steal the treasure, so crime doesn't pay. It's a nice lesson in a film about piracy. So at this at this point, they realise they have the wrong person to sacrifice. Um, they have the kind of. Uh, breakaway where you're back on the seas and uh, this ends up in Will revealing who he is, the rash move in itself um, and you've got the good little bit where he's saying my only demands are you save Elizabeth and Jack Sparrow's point at himself saying you're not going to save <laughs> save me but in terms of a scene that you might go back and watch, would this be one of them for you? For me, um, yeah got a bit of a battle beforehand before they board the ship yeah yeah it is, it is good um the you know, most i mean but the whole sort of scenes in tortuga are pretty cool to be honest and then the lead-in um to elizabeth and jack spending the night on the island together the first time you saw it were you assuming that Jack was going to be able to work his charm because they definitely do tease the fact that that might happen they ultimately. Do. They, they doesn't do. doesn't happen that way. Yeah. And at that uh, point, are you, are you willing him on or are you thinking, come on, Will's the hostage on that other island over there? Will's, Will's, Will would be America's sweetheart, wouldn't it? Let's be honest. Is it, it's tough to be that over Johnny Depp, though. Not recently, I ain't been. No. But at the time, 2003, regardless of what Sean might tell you. <laughs> um, it, like, I mean, as I watched it last night, knowing what happens, it obviously it's, it's fine. But I mean, I don't really remember, like as a kid, that that part of the story. The fact that he ends up with, with ends up with it was it was is actually was irrelevant to me. Like, so I don't I don't really have an answer, mate. The yeah, when I was a kid, the thing I cared about in this film was can it was cannibals pirate cannibals and pirate ships. I say when I was a kid, it was the exact same shit I cared about the other night when I watched it. Um, Watching this one, I 
didn't really feel like that was going to happen. I I feel that more in the second one. I feel like it's teased more in, in the second one. Oh yeah, definitely the the whole will they won't they all the, the yeah. little flirtation between Johnny Depp and Kira Knightley they 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 ham it up and they play play to it in the later films a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. But this just lays the lays the foundation, I suppose, rather than just randomly chucking it in. They. The main thing from that scene is the meme burst of the where, why is the rum gone, <laughs> which was a thing for for a short while. I think it was parodied in um, Meet the Spartans when you had that phase of uh, parody Every... films, which we spoke about. Fucking God, movie, God of the cinema. Yeah, Jack. Um, so if we fast forward a bit, um, you you do finally get the kind of showdown. With Barbosa, you've got the undead that have boarded the other ship where uh, Norrington and co are. Elizabeth has escaped. She's there with Jack, and they pull the well, Jack pulls the double double cross on Barbosa, and his plan works as he shoots him as Will drops the coin in and knows that he's. Uh, I didn't get this bit because he shot him before he put the coin in. So surely that shot would have gone straight through him. And right. can you put the coin? Was it before? There? Can Keenan or Sean confirm if that's the case? No, it he... was. It was before, but he's in the. He's not in the moonlight, is he? So it still stays in. It doesn't just go right through him. So it still stays there. He just wouldn't have died. Yeah, the, the, the curse is effective when he's in in the moonlight, isn't it? Yeah. Right. Okay. There you go, Jack. Okay. Well, just that's it. When watching it, does the sparrow cut himself? Did he cut himself? So there's there's some criticism that they didn't make it as blatantly obvious, and I'll admit I felt a bit foolish reading this back because the way it was written when I read it was like, look for all you people that we didn't just blatantly put it in front of your eyes that what was happening. But yeah, so apparently he, he does this to himself in the same way that you see him pick a coin up and flick it between his fingers, which they filmed later on because they didn't feel it was blatant enough. Originally, they had it like, just out of nowhere, he's got a coin, and that's why he kind of curses himself in anticipation for what might happen. So, for a a two-and-a-half-hour film, you would think maybe some of these things, they make a bit more blatant, but I didn't know that it was me being foolish at the time. What, What did you not know? You didn't know that he had the coin? Um, just no, just the kind of bits in together in terms of uh, cutting himself. But there's some people, yeah. Originally, they didn't have it um, where they showed him with the coin, and so they tried to make everything a bit more like, "Here you go, here's everything that's going on." But just all of those things, they they added it a bit, and still, people do seem to have some confusion there. Do you think it was a, a good enough showdown? Would you have liked? a bit more say the curses the curses being lifted and then you have a final battle between Jack and Barbosa or are you happy the way it is where essentially his kind of shtick is he's smarter than everyone else? Yeah, I think I like it. I think it might be a bit anticlimactic if you've done like the curses over and then and then they fight again. I don't know, I don't I don't know if it works as well. Because then you obviously have the realization on the ship, don't you, with Norrington, where they all realize. Yeah. So, I don't know if you could have done it another way. In in the commentary, they make a big thing to say that about everyone's skills with a sword, 
and that Jack is considerably the worst of the uh, main male cast members in the film. That in terms of his sword skills, he he's the worst. So uh, they make quite a big thing of that, and I guess that was meant to translate on the camera. Um, that may be why they do go the way of kind of the outsmarting him rather than hand to hand, and he overcomes him. Yeah. yeah, I guess that's everything Jack Sparrow kind of stands for, isn't it? Play smart. Yeah. Just exactly. no incentive to fight fair. Great life lesson. Well, they Keenan, so he ends up returning with them. Uh, after the day has been saved and you get the final scene of uh, Jack in the gallows Will having his change of heart and uh, Elizabeth changing her mind what do you think of the scene and she makes a stupidish decision out of the three of them (laughs) well do you think at this point they're just teeing it up or do you think they have a good idea that they're going to get the sequel uh, I think they know because my answer to your point about the final showdown, I realised Barbosa, said, sorry, does get brought back to life in the very next film, actually. Yeah. Um, but at that point in time, obviously, I doubt, doubt the script for the second one would have been written. So I no. think as a standalone film, yes, I would have loved to have seen the, the showdown, Jack and Barbosa at that point, just and just do it and, and let it run. But uh, with a view to a sequel, I think it, it, it's, it's probably the decision they made. In terms of the end, I mean, so say you've got in, ter- in terms of the end, Jack escapes to to swim off to the Black Pearl. You've got them making the decision, or do you think that's deemed as just this is the happy ending? We want to end it with this a Disney film, and everyone no, I, the I, they deserve. I, no, I think very much, mate. They would have left it that if they've got the chance, if they've got the chance to do number two, we'll do it. Because they they were very shocked about just how well it did. Like they they hoped it would do well. And then it exceeded expectations by like crazy feats. Yeah, yeah, it was a bit of a it was. A, I mean, it was a bit of a phenomenon for a while, wasn't it? Well, yes, yeah, it's, it's it's a rare film around the time that doesn't come from like source text or a, a book or mm. like a comic or anything like that. They actually premiered they they premiered the film uh, next to the ride at Disneyland. Mm. Um. And they did it there, which apparently, in terms of viewing experience, wasn't great, but was quite cool when you when you look back now. Have yeah. any of you ever been to Disneyland? They've been on the Pirates of the Caribbean ride. I've been there, true. but I don't remember like. Yeah, I don't remember the ride. Yeah. I I actually do because I've been to Florida and Paris, and like the ride was brilliant. But I never been to Disneyland Paris, but I um. I what, don't. Has, re- have they got the Pirates of the Caribbean one at Paris as well? I have no idea. That's yeah. what I was going to say. I know. I always thought it was in Florida. Um, yeah. What is it? It's just, I guess it's just like a water like log flume, essentially, isn't it? Oh, okay. Oh, Fancy right, okay. one. Oh, okay. Cool. Sorry, I didn't. Just, I didn't actually know. I knew it was a ride, but I didn't know what it was. If um, we go on to the uh, kind of criteria because we didn't do it for Space Jam but we'll do it in reverse so if we do uh, Pirates of the Caribbean first uh, Keenan rewatchability so two hours 24 minutes long this film does it does it feel rewatchable to you uh, yes and no I'm not gonna I'm not gonna run to put it back on but I do love this film so probably as you know sorry that's probably a no then sorry 
Sean, what about you? Uh, yeah, yeah, for me, very watchable. I've, I've watched it quite a I few have, times. I've uh, seen it a lot. I've watched is this it. The, is this the one that, that you're yeah. jumping to? So say you want to stick on a Pirates of the Caribbean film. I said when we did Lord of the Rings, Return of the King will be the one I'd rewatch. Like I'm not yeah. going to start with Fellowship. Uh, is this the one you're going to stick on or a different one? Mission Fair, either this one or the third. It's probably number number three probably edges that for me. Probably, yeah. Probably w- now I've seen this first one now more recently than it would be the third. Probably the third though on on the basis, but um, yeah, I, I still class it as rewatchable. Like I would watch it again. Again, I'll probably watch it in six months or so. I imagine. How rewatchable do you think this is, Jack? Yeah, it's I genuinely liked it more than I thought I would, and I would watch. Okay, um, if we. If we do the quotes for both films, and then we'll do both as we go through in terms of the awards, rather than do Pirates of the Caribbean, just to then come back and say, ask me for me to ask you your best moment slash scene things again after we've just uh, gone through them. If we start with the Pirates of the Caribbean quotes, this is the day you will remember as the day you almost caught Captain Jack Sparrow. Standout one there. That's the one I remember I had in my head after uh, watching it again. Yeah, Hello uh, Poppet was always a big one. Uh, as was Parlay. I actually worked with someone who well, ra- randomly shouts Parlay. Um, <laughs> You've told me that before. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's true. What do you uh, mean? When, when, when do they? Why? What context do they say that? If we like, if you're if you're having the discussion about something, I'd sort of say closer to an argument. They will just say Parlay. Um, <laughs> we've been sat playing, sat playing on the PlayStation, and it'll be like be running away from someone. He'll just be shouting Parlay. Um, Isn't this what you said last week that your boss had to put something in place to ask people to stop saying it? Uh, no, that was the Jurassic Park theme tune oh, to okay. stop people from humming it. Um, and that, funnily enough, came up at work again today. <laughs> someone was singing. What oh, shit? What was um? Oh, what I said it was in my head. It was in my head, but I, I'm not going to sing. We've got Jurassic Park next week. Someone was random, Someone was singing like some random song from the nineties that I won't sing for you. Cause... Wayne Knight, back to back. Yeah. Mm. Um, and the story about the Jurassic Park theme tune came up, which was good because I wasn't fit. I was like seventy percent sure or eighty percent sure it was true. And I was maybe, like, maybe uh, remember that. Maybe you can uh, sing us in next week with the Jurassic Park theme song. I don't know what the theme song is off the top of well, my head. You'll know by next week. Oh, oh mate, honestly, this bracket gets fucking worse and worse, doesn't it? <laughs> you know what, Jurassic Park? What? Keenan? <laughs> no, not particularly. What? I'll say, by the way, like, there's some excuse if <laughs> Sean and, and Jack said, you literally made the bracket with me. Uh, I was there. <laughs> what do you mean you were there? I mean, oh. what actually happened was you went. His his forty films. You can choose a couple. No, that's you, not how you, it went. You locked you locked in ten. I locked I locked in some of them. That that is fair. Jurassic Park yeah. being one that you locked in. So I, I had no way was, of getting. Yes, I, it was. I don't even remember oh, it. Like, I for the only sure. film I remember is Jurassic Park Three. I think I probably for said sure. it's one where you probably feel it has to be in there. But like in terms you, of a, a Luke Byron lock, locked it in. So the way he does it he'll be like yeah these have to be included and then he'll reel off a list so he gives me like 10 and he's like right box them off that's 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 not true but uh that's that is one thousand percent the conversation we had that's not true that's not true what Uh, part 
you, you were worse than that. You wouldn't let Sean have meet the parents in the first in the first bracket we did. That's all. That's actually just a flat out lie. <laughs> it got voted out <laughs> Sean was by there. us both, and then he left. <laughs> uh, got voted out as a consensus. But anyway, what part of my story is false? Where you give me films that are locked off, and then we discuss the rest. One's locked off, but uh, you don't Thank not you. have you don't not have an input, or I would just do it myself. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You lock off about ten. Although, is it? You and just, then we do just, the rest. You just do it yourself, but you're bringing in as just a way of you can try to tell yourself as well. You've let other people. Well, no, I do the, I do the, exactly. I do the leg work. As I said, I, I was I there. Do, I do the leg work, but I mean, if I think Keenan would be pretty honest that he's not going to compile a list of sixty or so films, oh, get fuck. the years of each of them, get their revenue. So, if I, if I don't do it, then. Yeah, I'm not criticising you. I'm just saying when you say you, I make an excuse. Jurassic Park, I was told was in it. The same with Lord of the Rings and Star Wars. And are we doing Indiana Jones in this one? Yeah, we are. <laughs> that's got, that's, <laughs> that's the best. That's the best trilogy ever made, according to Jack. Don't forget. But carry on with the quotes. That's one of the deadest <laughs> statements I've ever heard. It's a rash one. Um, this is either madness or brilliance. It's remarkable how often those two traits coincide. Uh, I said it already, but you best start believing in ghost stories, Miss Turner. You're in one. Yeah, we mentioned Bring Me That Horizon. Yeah, Something that's a mistake, Barbosa, when uh, he has Elizabeth's dress and he says, uh, still warm. Ten minutes later, he's saying that he can't feel anything and he's just permanently cold. Mm. So... Um, I'm not going to read it all out for you, but when Gibson and Will Turner are sitting in the pub and he tells the story of being marooned. Yeah, that's a great... It's so intense. It's <laughs> Can I say it's probably my favourite... I will say it now because you're going to ask me later, but it's probably yeah, well, my fav- favourite scene in the film. Okay. Okay. Even, though, even though it's just them talking, it's just so intense. It's such a brilliant story. I think about... That's probably... It's what I think about a lot in this. That and when you first see the curse come into effect. Uh, what I like as well is... Uh... It's with Norrington as Farrow when they when they obviously he's just saved Elizabeth but then he arrests her and he's yeah. like you're by far the worst pirate I've ever heard of and he goes but you have heard of me yeah do enjoy that quote as well that the, quotes, like, yeah. so I, the quotes I gave you already the best of being take what you can give nothing back when Drink you maroon me on oh. that godforsaken spit of land you forgot one very important thing mate I'm Captain Jack Sparrow <laughs> even though like they, is it, there's four or five of these films. Oh, sorry, still sounds odd in any voice hearing Johnny Depp say the word mate. <laughs> well, when Will says uh, I practice with them three hours a day, he says you need to find yourself a girl, mate. Or perhaps the reason you practice three hours a day is that you already found one and are otherwise incapable of wooing said strumpet. <laughs> strumpet. <laughs> strumpet, like. Um, that that exchange, as you referenced before, with. Um, the two guards and he said i think he's telling the truth he said, if you're telling the truth you wouldn't have told us and jack says unless of course he knew you wouldn't believe the truth even if he had told it to you yeah that whole exchange and that story's up there as well yeah very true comments. any more before we move on no i haven't got any more no i think you've, I think you've got most of mine mate space jam quotes um i referenced earlier bugs saying you ever see uh, any of the money from that stuff? Speaking of toys, remember those mugs and t-shirts and lunch boxes with our pictures on them? 
last cent and he says we need new agents we're getting screwed yeah and then you've already said it as well but i like the what kind of mickey mouse team would name themselves as yeah. <laughs> um stan let me help uh, i may not be very tall but i'm slow and so that says and large Tuffy says under dork <laughs> um, when he says like it's because i'm white isn't it but then you go yeah. like larry's white so, no he's clear <laughs> did you order the original recipe or the extra crispy yeah i like that one the one that used to be in my head all the time as a kid was uh duffy when he gets whacked he said i don't want to go to school today i want to stay at home and bake cookies with you <laughs> the announcer standing two foot four the wonder from down under the tasmanian devil and uh then he just says uh the duck and Duffy gives it oh I see how it is everyone laugh at the duck <laughs> I think Duffy is my favourite in the film yeah same Bill we're on defence <laughs> I don't play defence you're going to have to listen to Mike on that one the woman saying this guy next to me is doing something very weird in his raincoat Bugs says uh, that's all folks and Porky Pig that's my line that's all folks great quote yeah Lemony Fresh always was in my head as well. That's one of the first things I think of when I think of Space Jam. And then grilling him about wearing his shorts and his uh, North Carolina shorts under his uh, Bulls ones. Whether he washes them. But if we go into the categories, Keenan, we'll start with you. Which film did you prefer? Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, mate. Jack? Pirates of the Caribbean. Sean? Uh, Same. I'm Space Jam. Jack, which film do you think is more rewatchable? Um, I'm going Pirates of the Caribbean. Sean? Uh, same. Keenan? Yeah, I'd say the same. That's <laughs> mental. Two hours, 20 minutes Pirates of the Caribbean over one hour, 20 Space Jam. Yeah, but if you ask me what one would I want to watch again soon, I'd probably pick Pirates of the Caribbean. Minutes there, aren't you? Pardon? You're too focused on the minutes. I'm too focused on which one's more rewatchable, and one of them felt three hours long. The other one felt an hour long. <laughs> Sean, which is the best moment slash scene across the two films? First, I've seen for me, it's uh, it's Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, and the scene for me could be either, but I think it's probably go for when it's that first reveal that they're undead and that whole like music and Elizabeth realising. I think that's the one I'd go for. Keenan, what about you? Yeah, it is Pirates of the Caribbean and yeah, as I just said a minute ago, my favourite scene in the old film is this conversation in the pub. It's what the first one I think about. And Jack? Uh, yeah, I'm going to give it to Pirates of the Caribbean. Anyone in particular? Boom That Horizon, um... Take it all, give nothing back. Um, and the you have heard of me lines. Um, I've so mine is uh, the the death of uh, Foghorn Leghorn. <laughs> um, Keenan, which you think is the best quote across the two films? I just did my best quote then. Sorry, I'm just, <laughs> yeah. Every question was that best best scene? moment. Best, best moment I've seen it was uh, yeah. Oh, I'll give it to Barbosa again. Keenan, what? Done my quote, so you can. Uh, favorite quote 
give it to excuse me uh, take what you can give nothing back um, uh, Sean mm. I think I'm going to give this one to Space Jam and I'm going to give it to the what kind of Mickey Mouse team would name themselves the Ducks and mine is uh, Extra Crispy which has been in my head since watching the film and that uh, documentary did you want the, all of the original recipe or the Extra Crispy could have been a couple from there though um Keenan, who is your MVP across the two films? Michael Jordan. Sean? Yeah, Michael Jordan. Jack? Michael Jordan. I agree. Keenan, who is the best side character? Barbosa. Uh, Sean? So I wasn't sure whether, because obviously you have Jack, Elizabeth, and, uh, and Will, obviously the main. I didn't know if Barbosa kind of edges towards both so i actually went gibbs but it could gibbs be Bob. was a strong shout yeah so i've gone for gibbs but it would be pirates of caribbean either way my man stan gets a big shout out as does bugs bugs is probably main i'd say that's, bugs, yeah, that's... michael jordan are main and then everyone else because duffy is my pick okay i didn't wasn't sure what you'd say in terms of um bugs bunny they're the two names on the poster uh them two bugs Fair and uh, michael jordan um jack what about you um, I'm giving it to Gara. He's like coming out. Keenan, which film has the more difficult adventure? Um, I've thought about this a lot, but I will say Space Jam. Fate of the world. You've got several three feet tall cartoons taking on a team of five of the best NBA players in the world. You're saying this as though I've said something wrong. I've just no, said no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm backing up your point. Where I was just going to make the point there, regardless. That's it. I think that's as tough as it gets in the bracket. MJ having to travel to a different dimension is not great. That's rough. And the injuries he must have picked up, shaking off being balled into a literal ball. Mm. That foul at the end. I mean, I'm not. I'm not sure how long it takes to recover from that sort of hyperextension. Although he does do it, he does seem Jack, to do it almost immediately. Jack Sparrow can't make that shot, can he? No. And I, I think if you put a sword in Michael Jordan's hand, he he'd be pretty handy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Sean, what's your pick? Um, go to Harper before me, actually. All right, Jack. Which is your pick? Yeah, I think Jordan with a sword is a pretty. His reach more than anything. So you think Space Jam is your pick for... You have not listened to that question. (laughs) (laughs) Genuinely, you are on another fucking planet this evening, mate. (laughs) I'm changing my bed sheets whilst I'm on. I was doing a pillowcase then, it was particularly tricky. Which you think has the more difficult adventure? Jordan with the sword, no, I'm joking. Um, I think it's Space Jam. Sean, what was going to be your pick? Uh, yeah, I think I, I think I will go Space Jam. I was thinking that it's really one of those where because obviously if they don't know what the curse is, then it's very hard for them to defeat them. Like they're against a bunch of undead pirates. Like how are they going to win? But then obviously when they quickly realise how they're going to do it, it makes it a bit easier. So yeah, I'll go Space Jam as well. Um, Keenan, which film do you think has the more visual appeal? Oh, Space Jam. Sean? Yeah, Space Jam. Jack? Yeah, Space Jam. 
I agree. Best soundtrack, uh, I tell you now. Uh, <laughs> Space Jam, unbelievable this soundtrack. I don't even. I don't even think I believe I can fly is the best one. Pump up the jam. I, I can't think of a better song they could have used to get me pumped up quite literally in the same way. It's a great, great idea to have the little shot of the traffic coming into uh, the basketball game. I do really like that. And yeah, pump up the jam from when I was a kid just still now. Get you, get you hyped up for a uh, battle of the ages. Sean, what do you think is the better soundtrack? Uh, I do really like the Pirates of the Caribbean soundtrack. So do I. So I've, uh, I've, I've, I'm going for that. Jack, what do you think? I mean, there's some absolute bangers in Space Travel. It's going to be hard for me not to pick. Is that you picked it? I feel like you're answering each one with a question. <laughs> I don't know what, when you're I'm giving me an answer. Me when you have it. <laughs> yeah, Space Jam. Keenan? Oh, uh, yeah, it's Space Jam. Um, originality, Keenan? Space Jam. Sean? Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. They basically came from a ride. Jack? Yeah, I'm going to give it to Pirates of the Caribbean. I think like for such an intricate story with a few twists for it not to be off from any source material do you think this is maybe the toughest one by the fact that i think it's hard but yeah i getting sorry i was gonna say getting mj to do this and what they do obviously the looney tunes are well established and they play to the tropes of the individual looney tunes but getting mj in to do this and the film they create with taking the powers and the five players etc etc i think is a great idea i think yeah I think I'll go with Space Jam for the time. Mainly, my, I was leaning towards Pirates of the Caribbean when I did this this morning, but I can think of more films like Pirates of the Caribbean before and after than I can Space Jam in the kind of crossover that you get. Bigger impact, Keenan. Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's pretty hard to disagree when just looking at the numbers for a start. Sean, what do you think uh, for bigger impact? Yeah, same. And Jack? Pirates of the Caribbean. Keenan, which film has the better opening scene? Pirates of the Caribbean. Sean? Yeah, same. Jack? Yeah, Pirates. I disagree. I don't like that opening scene. <laughs> I think they should have started with Jack Sparrow, as I uh, thought earlier. He's your main man. And I think that scene should have been a flashback. I just think it sets the tone of the film really, really well. I guess. Keenan, which film has the better ending? Space Jam. Sean? Um, Pirates of the Caribbean. Jack? Pirates. Sorry. And finally, Keenan, which film has the better chemistry? Space Jam. Sean? Oh, this one's tough as well. Um, I think I'll give it to Pirates. Jack? Yeah, same here. In Space Jam. I actually don't think... I watched the second one more recently than I had this one before. In the first film, I don't think the chemistry is there with the main characters. I'm, I'm not sure if it's supposed to be in quite the same way. It's designed not to be for large parts of the film, to be fair. Yeah, I don't, I don't put them together. I don't know what it's like in the latter films but 
The Pirates of the Caribbean is through 6-4. Let me just see if I know who it's against or if that was to see otherwise. Uh, so that goes through to face Harry Potter in the next round. So you've got Pirates of the Caribbean, Harry Potter there. So, And then next week, it is Jurassic Park against Dude, Where's My Car? Probably the biggest style clash since Django and Toy Story. Yeah. Have any, have any of you seen Dude, Where's My Car before? Yeah, I have. Yeah, I don't think Keenan has. Uh, no, I haven't. There we go. Uh, and I literally remember nothing about Jurassic Park other than uh, there's some lethal velociraptors in there. Um, I've not got much battery. I don't think Keenan has much battery left, so I don't know about Jack and Sean. Yeah, I need to shoot anyway, boys. So, uh, All right. you next Adios. week. Adios. Ke- Keenan, how much battery do you have? Uh, I have 5%. If I reel these questions off... Let's do it. Then mm. you can... Quick fire them. Okay. What'd you say, Sean? I got to go as well. Okay. Right. I assume that to be the case. See you in a bit, shoot. See you in a bit. Keenan. Yes, sir. Real star of the film, Space Jam. Michael Jordan. Michael Jack Jordan Sparrow. or Bugs Bunny? Michael Jordan. If you could recast one role in Space Jam, who would it be? Uh, I, now that Sean said it, I actually really like the thought of, um, oh my God, Crispin Glover coming in the stand. I think I swap out Bill Murray Four. and Adam Sandler. I can't. I think I saw, and it's because I read an article today, essentially saying like they've missed a trick if they don't put him in Space Jam Two as the Bill Murray kind of role. Isn't he actually just quite good at basketball? Well, all these videos pop up of him kind of just playing pickup <laughs> basketball on the street. Yeah. He's had basketball in several of his main films, at least him playing it. Yeah. It just it just makes perfect sense, and he actually does have a film coming out with LeBron, I believe, um, with, and it's a Happy Madison film, uh, okay. Happy Madison production film. From what I read earlier, it's him basically. He's like LeBron's agent, and he's trying to get him into the NBA. Hmm. Which I don't know how it'll work, but the fact LeBron is already <laughs> a six foot seven bloke. Hmm. But I think this is it. Um, yeah, hustle. A washed-up basketball scout discovers a phenomenal street ball player while in China and sees the prospect of his opportunity to get back into the NBA. I understand why they've cast LeBron. Well, he's, he's not, he's not listed on IMDb, but when I read earlier, he did have LeBron there. So, if they like, if they, if that's who they go with, <clears throat> excuse me, you understand why because he's a megastar. But is he not going to be a little old for that sort of story? Would you if you were LeBron, uh, LeBron uh, is producing, whether he's in it or not, it'll probably pop, it'll probably pop up somewhere, won't it? Yeah. Have you ever seen Trainwreck with Amy Schumer and Bill Hader? No, no. It's actually not that bad, but it's an easy, it's a very easy watch. But LeBron's in it for like maybe six, seven minutes. It's really quite funny. Let's see a good guy recasting Pirates of the Caribbean. I mean, now you've now. I've, being told we could have Jessica Alba in there over here and it's hard for me to get past that one. Um, do I? Who do I recast? So I think the one I, I the one I'd be closest to taking out would probably be Orlando Bloom. Yeah, 
is the most replaceable, I think. Yeah. But for if who, the, I don't, not too sure. Jude Law. Hmm. If the cast swapped, which film works best? I would be quicker to watch Pirates of the Caribbean with Bugs Bunny as Jack Sparrow than I would <laughs> yeah. the other way around. <laughs> um, if you had to add either Hayden Christensen or Christian Slater to the film, which way around would it be? Hayden Christian goes into Pirates of the Caribbean. Christian Slater in Space Jam. Mm. Maybe just his voice. He could play uh, Danny DeVito as like assistant or something. Just play Feel bad. I'll give Christian Slater a bad rap on this pod because every time this comes up, I just try well, and I'm put him as a bad guy. in Space Jam, and yeah, but he's going to be one of the monsters. So. Mm. Um, Christian Slater could maybe be Mr. Swackhammer. Um, if you had to add Harrison Ford or Paul Rudd to the film, which way around would it be? Paul Rudd obviously goes into Space Jam. Yeah. <laughs> Which low-key piece of memorabilia would you take from the movie? Uh, Michael's North Carolina shorts. I'll probably go for the Toon Squad jersey. Nice. Um, and if you had to make a spin-off TV series in the world of one of the films, which would it be? It's quite hard to say that about the Looney Tunes, mate, really. Well, uh, maybe they just... You get a different athlete in each one, and it's them <laughs> playing a different kind of game. Like no, in cartoons enough. where they're constantly escaping the same kind of villain, it's them constantly having to beat the monsters. <laughs> yeah, fair. Uh, Pirates has been done now as well, but I'd probably lean yeah. towards Pirates of the Caribbean. I didn't really like the look of Black Sails when it came out, and then I watched, I think, two episodes and didn't get into it, but I probably should have No, I've, I've never seen it, to be honest. Looked good. Um, so there we go. Uh, Jurassic Park against uh, Dude, Where's My Car Next Week? Um, is that actually was, any good? Dude, where's my car? Yes. It's enjoyable. Okay. <laughs> um, that noise you've just made then tells, tells me otherwise. I can't help but, oh, I just can't but feel Space Jam's been robbed here. Rewatchability actually has hurt my soul, the fact that a two-hour, 25-minute film... You're too caught up in the numbers, mate. You've said it before. The numbers do play into rewatchability because... The length of the film does determine a lot of the times whether you can rewatch it or not. You don't often have two and a half hours free. That's fine, but I base my rewatchability off. If you gave me both films to watch again, which one do I pick? I which That's one would I rather? That you pick Pirates of the Caribbean. That's just personal preference. If you offered me Goodfellas against Space Jam, Goodfellas is a longer film. Goodfellas is the answer. Is it the answer? It's my answer. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Well. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Spitballing Pod. We'll be back next week. Goodbye.